Expecto Patronum, uh, you know, Accio podcast, everybody. Here it is, the franchise. I'm your host on the uh, Hogwarts Express, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Ehrenberg. It's episode number 117. Whoa. Is that right? Wow, Leviosa. Oh, Wingardium Leviosa. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Sa. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, if you haven't guessed, we're covering HP, not, not Henry Papali. I know, yeah, it's Harry Pater, Mr. Pater. And uh, this week we'll be doing the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's Stone, if you prefer, and, right. uh, and the Chamber of Secrets. That's right. It's a big one. Uh, one of the most uh, time-consuming uh, endeavors Henry, for mine so far. Good heavens are these movies long. I, they I, really are. I really didn't remember it because in my mind, uh, I've read all the books. And the right. books don't get long until the fourth one. The first three books are relatively brief, and then you oh. get to the fourth one. It's like whatever it is, seven hundred pages or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and I so I kind of thought the movies were that way too in my memory, yeah. but my memory betrayed me. It was almost like I was Gilderoy Lockhart at the end <laughs> of uh, the Chamber of Secrets, and uh, and so. <laughs> Uh, I'll just keep making these refs. Obviously. And so I, uh, I, you know, these movies are fucking long. They took forever to watch. Chamber of Secrets is two <laughs> hours and goddamn 40 minutes long. Get yeah, out of here. I know, dude. That's I, inexcusable. I made a wise decision. Uh, I, I've lately been doing a thing where I've been sort of watching our movies like the night before or two before you know to, to pack it in there and the night before i call it the joseph gordon levitt seth rogan special there you go mm -hmm. and and this time i looked ahead and i you had forewarned me um because i had seen these first two like 12 13 years ago but i didn't remember anything and i did, i wanted to look how long they were and so mm -hmm. when i saw the running time i was like okay let's let's do this in a more leisurely fashion. I mean, in a vacuum, Henry, mm. could you imagine? I know it's Harry Potter, but taking the IP out of out of this the equation. Yeah. Could you ever imagine yourself? We're talking on a podcast right now about a couple of two and a half hour Chris Columbus movies. <laughs> that's the that's the key there. Yeah, the Chris Columbus factor good lord i mean because we've covered some long movies i mean what notably avengers right those are chinatown pretty... is that's that even not... chinatown no, chinatown that the most labyrinthine uh, yeah. screenplay of all time is not even close to as long as harry potter and the chamber no, of secrets i mean i think batman versus superman was pushing it batman that was v superman dawn of justice right that was two and a half hours yeah but Wow. That was interminable. But, and, I mean, look. These really are long. Yeah. They're crazy. So, Henry, what is your history with the Harry Potter franchise? Not much. Um, I remember when the movies came out, um, I, I was already like 23, 22, 23. So, I really could care less. I, I, I was well aware of all the hype around them. Um, A lot of hype. I, 
lot of hype. I, my mom was a big uh, fan of the books. Already and... when the movies came out? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was on. And, and she taught the books in, in school and had her kids read them. Um, How old were these kids? Pretty cool. Um, I think they were like nine and ten years old and something yeah, like that. I guess so, you can read those first couple. At that yeah, age. they might have been a little older, but, uh, you know, I guess the point was just to have them reading something, you know, like an in-depth novel, which was pretty cool. I think she was one of the only teachers in her district doing that. A chap you know. book. A what? A chap book. A chapter book. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Yeah, but so outside of that, I mean, I, I was in Pittsburgh at the time, and I, I was I was in college. I, I just they were just kind of like another phenomenon. Uh, unlike this is funny though, I guess I'll say this: unlike Lord of the Rings, which were around the same time, the movies. Uh, I went to see Lord of the Rings, and I, I I had no interest in those either. But I guess there was a certain. Uh, I don't know uh, aspect of the Lord of the Rings that I thought would be more entertaining for me uh, and and less of a kids movie, but they're not. Well, I I totally and, agree with you there. You know uh, what I mean? I'm, but I'm, I was like, excited about Lord of the Rings. I I remember. No, I was too, but I didn't like the. I was not a fan of the books. Well, but, but to me, I was just looking for what this. I want another Star Wars. And that's right, what I thought right. this would be. They were selling it right away. There's a trilogy. It takes place right. in its own little world. I was, like, down for it. And I, I just remember going to see Fellowship of the Ring in theaters being, like, fucking pumped for it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Not, I, I saw that. Yeah. Not 30 seconds into the movie did they lose <laughs> me. Yeah, pretty much me, too. Uh, and even though I saw all three of those in the theater, which is one of the mysteries of my Not existence. me. I fucking, I was smart. I skipped, I was done after Fellowship, man. I I'm didn't impressed. see those second and third until a, a lady made me watch it. Right. I, yeah. I'm impressed with that because you were also a teenager at the time. I should have known better, uh, but I just kept going. There were big I, movies. You knew they were going to win Oscars and shit. Yeah, yeah, but I have uh, a question. Hmm. At, at the end of uh, Return of the King, which is a god awful movie, the Oscars decided yeah. let's give it Best Picture to reward the full trilogy. Right. I mean, to <laughs> me, the Harry Potter franchise is every bit as good as Lord of the Rings. Why? Why did we not like? I didn't hear anybody after Deathly Hallows Part Two saying you got to give it Best Picture. Right. Good point. Come I on. mean, probably because they're kids' movies and 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 they're not Pixar. They're ghettoized. Yeah, and and you know, for my money, I, I am as you know, I'm not into to kids' movies, and and by all intents and purposes, for this this is these are kids' movies. Certainly these, the first two are kids' movies. Right, but these, I'll just and say And frankly, right. the, the whole series, I think, are kids' movies way... Like, even when you get to the ones that are more adult books, right? those movies, I think, are more kiddie. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that, uh, with, without hesitation, I won't get into the ratings or anything like that yet, but I these are these are better, much better yeah. than Lord of the Rings. Big time. Much better. Much better movies in in every way, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't so get you've it. You've never what? read a, a Harry Potter book, no, and I never will. But <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's not my thing. I don't read a lot of fiction. I'm, I'm a nonfiction guy, and I I don't get it. I don't read any of that kind of 
youth literature. I never, <laughs> I never did. <laughs> I didn't read the Hunger Games. I didn't read. I don't Nor read. Did I? Harry Potter is different. So, but you were younger when they came out, so it made more sense. Well, I'll tell you my story with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. How many of the movies had you seen before? I believe I I'd seen uh, three or four of them. I, okay. I think I know I saw one in the theater in New York when I just moved there. So I I it might have been Azkaban that I saw in the theater, but I won't even know until I watch it. Really. The, Harry, it's, the Harry Potter words sound so foreign coming out of your mouth. Like you just, <laughs> you've never said any of these words out loud it's before true. in your entire life. That's right. It's a completely new vocabulary to it's me. It's so yeah. funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Did I say it right? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, kind mostly. Of. <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. Mostly. Yeah, so go ahead. What's your relationship with them? And it's much deeper than mine. You've even been on another show. Okay, so I was show. already in the high school when, when the books got big. And uh, and so I ignored them. I was an angsty teen, Hank. I had no time for Harry Potter. I was, I, uh, give me the new Chuck Palahniuk novel, please. Right, give right. Me, uh, can I read the new Neil Gaiman novel, please? Sure. That was me. So I I was uh, reading Kafka in high school. So this Yeah, I was reading favorite. Herman Hess. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I uh We're I so smart. I know. I ignored these. So the first book, I got a hold of that first one. I picked it up. I think I read like 20 pages and I was like this is kid shit I'm out. Okay. And um so I put it down. Then around the time the first movie was going to come out, I um I, I was doing a play. Mm. I was an actor. Henry, right. A thespian. A thespian, yeah. Uh, so I was treading the boards. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's the quickest way to Carnegie? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and so, I, <laughs> so I, I, I was in some play, and the director of the play was a Spanish teacher in my, um, uh, a, my school who was a white lesbian and she uh, she said the second book is is better than the first one, and uh, and it's a little more adult. Just you can skip the first one, and uh, and just check out this second one. So I did that. I skipped the first book, and got into the second one. This was around the time I think the fourth one was out. Mm-hmm. So uh, like it was going for a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I read the second one, you know, and she was a teacher I respected, so I gave it my all, and I right. I loved it. And okay. so I saw the first movie in theaters not having read that entire book. Oh, all right. Yeah, so I didn't read the first book until later. I, I went back. Like, mm-hmm. maybe between, like, the fifth and sixth books, I went back and read the first one. And, okay. uh, and so I – but I got way into the books. I fucking loved them. The, the movies – I always liked them, and I saw them all in theaters, but I never went crazy with them. I had the first one on DVD, and I think I've rewatched the second and third ones some, somewhere along the line. But yeah. I, after that, I've never rewatched them. Okay. They were theaters only. Oh, but the books, right. I've reread all the fucking books. I really? love the books. Yeah. Jesus. The books are wow. dynamite. So you are hardcore, big really, time, dude. big time. My favorite of the books is the fourth one, Goblet of Fire, which I remember not being my favorite movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like three, four, and five of the book series; those are like some of my favorite books ever written. Wow! Yeah. Wow. 
And now, when you went on the podcast of the Real Weird Sisters, which movies did you cover? So when I when I I was on the Real Weird Sisters, which is another podcast about Harry Potter, that's fucking great, and you should listen to it. Um, uh, I mean, you Henry, but also you the listeners. Well, I listened to that episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I appeared on on that podcast. They they graciously invited me on to promote the franchise and to talk about just the second one. And it was uh, a weird time in my life. Uh, I, I appeared on that podcast fresh out of the hospital, less oh. than a week sober. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and so I remember being miserable watching that fucking movie. And, um, and the second movie at the time, and we'll find out if it still is, but was my least favorite of the movies. Mm. And so I... Um, I was pretty fucking down on it on that podcast. So th- this is my first time rewatching it since that show. And so that's the m- one I've watched the most recently. Okay. Be- so, and honestly, it, not enough time passed before this rewatch. <laughs> well, no, I would imagine yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, especially for such a long movie. So, I and mean, and that, yeah. that is a fucking two and a half hour podcast just about that one movie and we covered it scene by scene by scene. Wow. So if you want to hear my thoughts about literally every aspect of that fucking movie, go find that episode of The Real Weird Sisters. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, but we'll cover it in less depth on this podcast. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So your your love of this really does run deep. Yeah. Particularly the books. My love of the books honestly knows no bounds. Uh, well, that's great because that also brings a different dynamic to this show then to, as well. Because mine has, I have, I'm the, I'm the uh, neophyte on this on this one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you know Resident Evil or something. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Very, cool. very, very excellent short movie. And we just did, uh, <laughs> and we just did Beverly Hills Cop, which was uh, your wheelhouse. So uh, yeah, yeah, for let's, sure. Let's talk HP, gang. All right, Harry Potter. Uh, so should we dive into the first one here? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All right. So of course, um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, it, it is known as Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in other parts of the country. They. Um, Published the book the here country as, or the world? The world. The world. They published right. the book as Sorcerer's Stone in America because they thought uh, American kids are dumber, and they're probably right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm not um, David Heyman is a producer of some note. He bought the rights to the Harry Potter series in 1999 for a cool $2 million. That's only a couple of years after the first book came out. Right, right. and $2 million is fucking nothing. Right. So, um, but one of the things he agreed to was um, J.K. Rowling has, like, some creative control. Oh, not yeah, full creative control. Yeah, I was surprised, though, a but, lot. Yeah, she has to, like, approve the scripts and the directors and... Um, and she, the actors. Her, and her one big thing was she didn't she wanted all the actors to be um english or irish or scottish i guess right and so um so they that's that's the way they went uh, mm-hmm. so originally um warner brothers wanted steven spielberg to direct it and jk right. rowling was like yeah fine but right. what he wanted to do was to make it animated 
and okay. to include elements of all the books. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so he wasn't, he didn't mm. just want to do an adaptation of the first book. Right. I think he wanted to do more like what um, Le that Lemony Snicket movie did, which I think they took like elements of the first three books and crammed them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he wanted Haley Joel Osment to be the voice of Harry Potter. Okay, sure. All right, sure. so not a British. AI. Right. Yeah, he was obsessed with Haley Joel Osment at the time. Um, he saw Sixth Sense and he fell in love. And I, I gotta say, you fickle piece of shit, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, as far as I know, is a working actor right now. He's an adult. He's still very good. I don't see him showing up in your fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done with him. Yeah, give adult Haley Joel some fucking work. That was uh, that was a short-lived uh, romance. Holy shit. Yeah. So yep. um, ultimately, Spielberg dropped out uh, and made AI. That's what he did instead right. of Harry Potter. And uh, um, J.K. Rowling wanted Terry Gilliam to mm. direct the movie, which would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he could have done a good job. Uh, Warner Brothers was looking at Alan Parker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's an odd choice, but... Uh, Adrian Lyne. Yeah. Mississippi Burnings, Alan Parker, and um, their other big suggestion was Brad Silberling, who had recently had a big hit for Warner Brothers with City of Angels. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Great. They could have had uh, Nicolas Cage play Dumbledore, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but they end up going with uh, Christopher Columbus. Um, he sailed the ocean blue, and and here he is um, <clears throat> directing this movie. We've covered Chris Columbus, Henry. Uh, Home Alone. Yeah, he directed Home Alone and Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Okay. Uh, do you have his uh, filmography open? No, but I can do that. I would quickly. love it if you could do it. Um, yep. You having seem phone to issues? Have lost my phone. <laughs> oh. But uh, anyway, uh, I I know he got his start in okay. the in the eighties as a writer. Uh, yeah, I have it. Here. He he wrote uh, Gremlins and the Goonies. That's right. So that sort of made his career. Then he became a director. Uh, his first film is Adventures in Babysitting. Correct. Oh, uh, my God. Off the top of my head, Henry. Let's see how pretty... deep I can go. Let's see how deep I can go. Did he right. direct Heartbreak Ridge? Uh, Heartbreak Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> Heartbreak Ridge, the Eastwood joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heartbreak Hotel. And then his third movie's Home Alone. Right. Okay. Then does he do Home Alone 2 right after that? No, no, no. He does Only the Lonely with John Candy. Which I love. Okay. I love that movie. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite John Candy movies. It's okay. Great. Then Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. This is right. off the top of my head, Henry. I'm very impressed. I okay. could never do this okay. with this guy. Does he follow that up with nine months? He does. The the uh, Hugh Grant joint. Right. Um, Give me a hint on the next one. Yeah, you're going to need it. Uh, no, wait, no, I don't. Susan's. No, I don't. No, I don't. It's Stepmom. Oh. <laughs> All right. Ah, damn, dude. He does Stepmom. A yeah. sappy piece of shit. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> some people like it. You know, Julia Roberts, she's still at, like, her most charming. So I think mm -hmm. she, like, blinds people to how bad For that sure. movie is. For sure. Uh, and then after that, he has a big flop. Big big budget flop with Bicentennial Man. There you go. Okay. Uh, and that brings us to HP, right? 
Wow. Okay. Yes. So he does the first two Harry Potter movies. Uh, he is then uh, credited as a, a producer on the whole franchise. Okay. So he's making yeah. big, big money. Yeah. All right. I didn't know that he directed uh, Rent. Yeah, he followed up Harry Potter. That was like his passion project. He did Rent with the original Broadway cast, and they were all like 35 when they did it, playing the like 20-year-old <laughs> characters. And that yeah. movie's a goddamn mess. But I guess if you like Rent, like it's uh, whatever. Right. I like right. some of the cast of Rent. I just think that fucking show sucks. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll yeah. fuck with Anthony Rapp and Adam Pascal and uh, Dito Menzel. And I, I think I've said this before, but I had to see that show 16 times because I oh, was, you were uh, working. Yeah, I was an yeah. usher at the at the symphony. And yeah, it's garbage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it was intolerable garbage. It's yeah. it's garbage. You know, I recently watched uh, I rewatched a movie from the 80s called mm. uh, Parting Glances. Mm. It's a, an early indie film. It's Steve Buscemi's first film role. Wow. Uh, the the writer director of it it's his only movie because he passed away of AIDS uh after the movie came out. Hmm. Uh and it it is a goddamn masterpiece. I remember it as being like a 4 and that shit's a 5. And uh I, huh. I I'm going to maybe pop it on my 86 list next time we do it. But anyway, but uh, to me, if you like Rent and you want like a fucking movie that's actually great with the same themes as Rent, yeah. Watch that. Okay, interesting. All right, all right. I do want to point out one of his early writing credits was one of my earliest movie memories ever. Um, I remember it, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I haven't seen um, that. My sister took me to that movie. I would have been seven years old, mm -hmm. and I don't think I ever saw it since, but I remember it making a big impression when I was seven. <laughs> all right. A young Sherlock. Yes, and a young Henry. Is that a remake of Sherlock Jr., the Buster Keaton film? <laughs> no idea. All right. So um, he, he, he then, after Rent, he took like a few years off, right? And he did um, yeah. I Love You, Beth Cooper. Yeah, I didn't see it. Which is based on a novel, a YA novel that I think is really, really good. Recommended to me by my friend Victoria Adams. Shout out. And mm. uh, 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 the movie's not very good. But it does okay. have Paul Rust in it, and he's great. So, And then he did uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Right, right, right. And I've never seen that. And has he done anything since then? Pixels. Pixels. He did the fucking Adam Sandler movie, Pixels. Yeah. Uh, and he's got a few things on the horizon. The Pipeline. Yeah, like four movies. All right. Well, he's always yeah. working, that Chris Columbus. But I think after Harry Potter, he made a lot of money off Harry Potter. And, uh, sure. His directing career kind of fell off the rails. Right. Yeah, All right. It seems that way. Let's yeah. talk about uh, The Sorcerer's Stone. It, it, uh, it came out December 7th, 2001. All right? Yeah. No, it did not. <laughs> no, I'm looking at a different no. movie. It's November 16th, 2001, okay. right after 9/11, Henry. Mm. I think the world needed a Harry Potter. I think they did. Yeah. yeah. I uh, also remember a memory that I just bring up quickly. I also remember it definitely. Do you think Meryl Streep saw Harry Potter to ease her fears about 9/11? <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't show. Oh, she can't show up in these movies. She's American. That's right. Good point. That's right. Yeah. I, I remember uh, when it came out, though, being very confused when I saw, like, clips of it or whatever. And then I would simultaneously in theaters see clips for Lord of the Rings. And then there'd be, like, Gandalf. 
and Dumbledore and that, the actors playing them. And, and I was so confused and they seemed so similar. And then even when I watched this movie, I, I was like, no, who, who is going to play Dumbledore? Who's the guy that they got? That it's, never bothered me, man. No, it doesn't bother me. It was just confusing. And I never found that confusing. I was, I was way more confused at the time about Christopher Lee playing basically the same character in both Lord of the Rings and Star uh, that, Wars. That too. Yeah. That too. Thank you for bringing that up. That's the third one. That's why I was so confused. There was like three franchises at once that had like this similar bearded wizard. And I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck am I... I no idea. And I, I was happy Count that it was Dumbledore, Professor Dooku, who cares? Right, right, right. But when I saw it, it was Richard Harris. Uh, yeah. I just love, love Richard Harris. Yeah. So yeah. great. Very late Richard Harris performances. Yeah, very. By the third one, he's dead and gone. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, this was a, a you might as you might guess a big hit. A budget of one hundred twenty five million dollars, box office of nine hundred seventy four point eight million dollars. It, it, it was at the time I think like the number three movie in England in history. Um, yeah. It broke the single day record, like for most money in one day. Wow! Uh, it beat Phantom Menace, and then the wow. next and then the next day it broke its own record. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and it was the number one opening weekend of all time up until Spider-Man beat it the next year. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nominated for a couple. Oh, it's the number 37 movie of all time as of right now, just under The Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Okay. I didn't know The Dark Knight dropped that much. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. It's, it's, I mean, it makes sense yeah. at this point. Yeah. So, uh... It was nominated for three Oscars. Oh. Do we have a, <laughs> do we have a theme for that? Yeah, we, we might need to. We can hit that. Uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, Please do. One, sir. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Holy, that fanfare is very exciting. Yes, it riles up the blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was nom- It lost all three. It did not win an Oscar, but it was nominated for Best Score, Henry. Mm. Yeah. You get into that. Lost yeah. to Howard Shore for The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, that, okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. All right, and it was, uh, it, it lost both Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design to a little movie that we were obsessed with at the time. Not you and I. Well, you. Whatever. Mm. Fucking Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Obsessed is a little strong, but yes. Nicole Kidman, yes. People were way into that fucking movie. Yeah, they were. All right. Um, And, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's do our 2001 list real quick, and then we'll get into the movie. All right, all right. Uh, 2001. All right, my number 10 is Ocean's 11. Yeah, that's my number 10 also. Oh. My number 9 is Tape. My number 9 is The Man Who Wasn't There. Honorable mention for me. My number 8 is The Gray Zone. Right, my number 8 is Tape. My number 7 is In the Bedroom. My number 7 is Gosford Park. 
My number six uh, is the score. <laughs> My number six is Vanilla Sky. My oh oh boy. Heavy hitters. These are the grand slams, the hat tricks, the three pointers, the puck one, when the puck close to the circle. These are the heavy hitters of the franchise. Heavy hitters. All right, what's your number five? Training day. My number five is in the mood for love. My number four is the piano teacher. Really? It's a great movie. No, I, I have that on my 2002 list, I think. Um, I think it came out in America in 2002, I think. Well, hey, dude. It's a foreign film. That's hard to pinpoint. All right, you know, well, be, you'll I, be loving that on my 2002 list. Uh, <laughs> my number four is Ghost World. That's my number three. My number three is Wet Hot American Summer. My number two is Vanilla Sky. My number two is Mulholland Drive. My number one movie is The Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, mine too. Okay, uh, and so let's take a trip over from Mulholland Drive to Privet Drive, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, because that's where Dumbledore is dropping off a baby Harry Potter fresh off an assassination attempt. That's right. This franchise starts with a motherfucker trying to murder a baby. It does. It <laughs> it's does. Awesome. I, I fucking love yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a it get it's a dark. It, you know what it does and it handles it. I don't know. You know if it's Rowling or or Chris Columbus for that matter. Uh, it handles like dark material in like a light way. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's like some a few moments in both movies that are rather disturbing. Yes. And uh, especially the second one. And and I'm just kind of I'm looking at like, wow, this is more disturbing to me than I would think it, it is. Even they're kind of throwaway moments. We'll get to them because I think two of the ones I, I'm thinking I'll of. Say, I I'll just right up front, the movies to me could never equal the books because there's a tone established in the books that I don't really think you could replicate. And it's a tone of flippancy where mm. everything is normalized already. In movies, you have to make these big moments set pieces. Right. And that's not what we do in the books. Everything is described very matter-of-factly uh, over the course of however many pages. And um, and I, I love that about the books. It well, really let me takes you into the world. I got to ask you a key question, something that the debate that goes on forever and has been going on and will always go on, but I have a very specific view of this, but not having read the books, what what is your stance specifically on Harry Potter in terms of uh, specifically on Harry Potter? Uh, like yeah, like from you know, I would a hundred percent like them more if I had never read the books. Because look, the books, the movies are insanely. But you separate, right? But, I mean, yeah, you're with I, me. I absolutely do. The movies are insanely faithful to the books in terms of plot points and and keeping everything in there uh, to, to a fault, I'll say. Mm. And uh, I I think. You know, like Roger Ebert gave these first two Harry Potter movies four stars apiece. Yeah. And I totally get that because if I was experiencing this world for the first time as a viewer watching these movies, I think I'd be blown the fuck away because every idea is good and every character is good and everything works. I, but to me, having read the books, the movies just don't stack up. And, you know, it's the reverse of how I felt. You remember how fucking blown away I was by those first two Hunger Games movies. Yeah, it's right, It's because I right. never read the books. It's as simple as that. 
Yeah, I mean that. Okay, so that's like a different tactic to come from, which I understand. That's totally valid. Yeah, that's the difference between saying, "Oh, they could never compare to the books," you know, which I just don't. I never buy that argument. Uh, going back to Clockwork Orange or something. Well, it's when you have a real artist, different mediums. When you have a real artist developing, that'll make uh, what's a, his face happy. Uh, Stephen King. No, different mediums. Who's the guy? Was it uh, was it Delicious Cheese? Oh, who God. said you and me, you and me didn't know the genre and medium, which I loved. I don't because he was right. Uh, oh, I I just um I think if you have a real artist adapting a book, then it's really easy for me to look at them as just totally separate entities. Mm. I, and I brought up Chuck Palahniuk earlier. I right, love, right, I right. love the Fight go. Club book. I love the Fight Club movie. Me too. The the yeah. the um you know uh little children i think is a good example of a book i love and i love the movie on a whole different level i right. i just um the harry potter movies especially in the early going are so just trying to translate the books into movies mm-hmm. and it ends up losing some of the naturalism that the books have do you think that some of that has to do that with the fact that Chris Columbus is not necessarily like an artiste, like a Terry Gilliam? Sure, but then watching the further movies, where I really do feel that you know David Yates and and especially Alfonso Cuarón are right. artists, but right. it still is forced to treat the material in terms of set pieces because it's right. a big budget movie. And uh, well, it's interesting you said the set pieces thing because I'll say right now that the most enjoyable parts of this movie for me were, and and this goes for the second one mostly, uh, were not the action sequences. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, same here. The character stuff is the is the stuff it's that's better, always right? it's best just for me. Better. I just didn't, you know, the Quidditch match. In, I guess in the was books, supposed to be a in, big deal. In the books, they they weave the the uh, the big moments into the into the character. Everything's based in character in the books. Honestly, like if you really wanted to capture the tone of the books. Uh, you know, you'd get like Nicole Holofcener to direct the movies or something, <laughs> but they're just not gonna fucking do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But I guess I, I, I guess the uh, it's interesting because I guess when I saw this first movie, it was probably 2005 when I saw it first. So I guess the special effects were also still pretty good. Um, and watching it now, most of the special effects hold up. Da- Every so often, there's one that is garbage. Right. And it's usually like the rendered characters. I'm talking about like the t- big troll in the first one. Right. Right. Or the right. the, the, the the snakes. That's right. But yeah. I, I never really mind that because I always take into consideration the time it was made. And you can always throw up that bulwark uh, of of terrible effects, which is the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And these look fantastic compared to those effects. Well, there's so. a lot more practical effects. Like, I was impressed right. with Chris Columbus that, like... You know, like the basilisk in the second one is a lot of CGI, but then in the close-ups, you can tell he's using models. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, for sure. All right, yeah, wait, I... can we talk about the first fucking movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I feel like we're right. all so, over the place. So a baby dies. I mean, almost. Baby yeah. baby does not die. He gets a scar of a lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty cool scar. Pretty and, cool. Uh, and so he um, he gets raised by uh, the Dursleys. Uh, you know, just the worst of human, the worst humanity has to offer the Dursleys. Um, yeah, I was glad we got out of there as soon as we did. 
Yeah, but I do like the performances. Like, no, they're good. I it's mean, they very got... fairy tale and like, like wicked stepmother kind of a thing. Absolutely, but sure. Richard Griffiths and um, I think especially Fiona Shaw are great. Yeah, she, well, she's excellent. Uh, I love Fiona Shaw, dude. I I rewatched a movie. Oh God, this is embarrassing. I watched a movie recently where Fiona Shaw was the villain, and she was like by far the best part of the movie. Oh yeah, what one? Uh, a little movie called Undercover Blues. <laughs> All right. My uh, memory of Fiona shows uh, I'm not embarrassed about, and that is she's uh, the teacher of uh, Christy Brown in My Left Foot. That's and right. That's yeah, that's I a real early from. performance. That's what I know her from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty All right. much. So uh, it's uh, Harry's birthday, which, you know, it means it's uh, July 31st, my that's birthday. Right. It's somebody else's birthday. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, But it's Dudley's birthday, too. Is that right? Do they have the same birthday? I don't know. That was confusing. <laughs> Someone right. tell me that. Yeah, right. So Dudley's their fat son, and they give him a shit ton of presents. He wants to go to the zoo. They take him to the zoo, and at the zoo, Harry's pissed off. He, he accidentally, with magic, makes uh, Dudley fall into the snake pit. Yeah. Um, great cure song. And uh, and our Slash's snake pit. Oh, a great, a great saw them band. live. A great bet. You saw Slash's snake pit live. They opened for ACDC. Good heavens! Yeah, was, no, I didn't watch it. I went was out. Slash and, up front. Was he wearing the hat? They were terrible. Yeah, <laughs> god awful. I didn't watch them. I went out. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually really liked that uh, sequence in the zoo, and I I really liked the touch of. Uh, when the snake gets out and he just says, thanks. Okay, I could do without that. I loved it. Okay. See, as a viewer and not knowing anything at all, Yeah, uh, I just thought it was cool. I, I thought it was really neat. I, I, I liked it. You well, know? I do I'm, like it because it's a little foreshadowy, which I, which I appreciate because in the second book we find right. out that Harry's a parcel mouth so he can talk yes. to snakes. Glad and- you're here. Yeah. <laughs> I but I, I mean, it's doctor. just a little silly. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. Goes, but thanks. Yeah. Oh. Well, of it's <laughs> but I mean, of course it's silly. But I mean, I don't know how to use that adjective. How do you use that in this movie? With that? I know I mean, what you mean. The whole enterprise right? is a little silly, but right, it's right, a fine right. line, and maybe that crosses my line or something. Interesting. I don't know that I have a line for these movies yet. I, I don't know that I do. We'll find you a line, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it may come. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, ultimately, he starts getting these letters from uh, owls. And yeah. they they want to enroll him in the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. He finds out that his parents were were witches and wizards, mm-hmm. and uh, they um, you know, so uh, they the, the the family loses their fucking minds over this. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Dursley, like what? He takes them out to this fucking weird island. Where the hell are they? I don't know. They're they like went... living in a lighthouse or some shit. Uh, they went to Shutter Island or something. Yeah, it's totally weird. up there getting a lobotomy. Yeah. Very strange. And yeah. there's a it's huge, summer it's house. like a dark and stormy night and shit. That's and... what the, uh, the, I guess that's what the, the uh, where you go to the beach when you're, when you live in Britain. I don't, I don't know. Is yeah, who what... knows what you do in England? Yeah, well, you a... know what you do? You go to like one of the Canary Islands or something. You go to Brixton Beach. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. And 
Um, had- they really don't want him to go to this place as much as they hate him. I, I found that a little. Well, they're very racist towards witches and wizards. They call them freaks and shit. Right, a little X Men stuff going it on there. It's totally yeah. X Men. Yeah, but you know what's it, what is really interesting is I like um, the the reverse of it is treated like in X Men. The like Magneto is treated just like as a straight up villain for like right. hating humans, humanity, right. or whatever. And I like that there's this more subtle element in in Harry Potter where some wizards just think like humans are shitty, like yeah. they're, they're <laughs> or like and half human, half wizards are mud bloods and shit. Right, right. So there's, it's more of just like a straight up element of like pure racism. Yeah, it's reciprocal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, to, like Trump supporters are totally Voldemort supporters. <laughs> well, of course. Like MAGA are the Death Eaters. Obvi- obviously. Obviously, yeah. dude. I mean, come on. They don't know that, but they are. Mm, yeah. Sorry, gang, if That's you're true. still listening. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it. I feel like we've thrown away all semblance of like political I do not care. I don't care either. Okay, Henry Hagrid shows up. It's Robbie Coltrane from Nuns on the Run. And uh, <laughs> that's what I know him from. That's right. Uh, he's uh, he's he's a giant. He's a giant. And he's got a big beard and talks like grumbly. And yeah. uh, and he um, oh, you're a, you're a wizard, Harry. Uh, that's my favorite moment in the entire movie. That to me is iconic as fuck. When he he just tells him that you're straight. a wizard, Harry. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and Hagrid. Robbie Coltrane's dynamite. Like to me, up to this point in the movie, and Hagrid doesn't show up until like a good half hour into the movie or something, right? Um, because we're just doing every fucking word for word, like the book, right? Um, and uh, Hagrid, uh, Robbie Coltrane is just dynamite. He's perfect casting, and I mean, this is the first character that shows up that changed the way you know how we talk about comic book movies when like someone's so good that i start reading the comic book character in their voice sure in rereads of the books hagrid has become robbie coltrane's okay yeah sure sure i could see that so i imagine harry potter is daniel radcliffe no to a degree hmm um not really Honestly, interesting. Like Ron and Hermione are way more Ron and Hermione in my mind. The Harry is still to some degree the Harry I imagined when I first read the books. Okay, all right. Um, not that I'm knocking Daniel Radcliffe. Right? No, no, no. They yeah. hired these like young actors in like an open casting call, and they're all really good. Like Daniel Radcliffe, I feel like really honed his craft and gets better as the movies go along. Uh-huh. But, like, Emma Watson is fucking dynamite. Yeah, she is. From, like, yeah. moment one that she I shows agree. up. I and, agree. And um, I think Rupert Grint kind of improves, too. But he's playing such, like, an outsized comic character in the in the first couple movies that, like, he just works for me, too. He works better in the first one for me. I totally agree. And you know why oh. that is? I'll just say this right now. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'll save it. I'll save it until we talk about this. Okay. Yeah. But I have a reason for thinking that. And All it's right. not totally Rupert Grint's fault. Mm. Um. Anyway, 
Uh, Hagrid takes Harry and opens him up to this world. He takes him to Diagon Alley where he buys, uh, you know, they go to Gringotts and uh, that's the bank. And uh, we get fucking goblins for the second week in a row. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? That was cool. Warwick Davis. Yeah. And and Mini-Me. Oh, is he in it too? Yeah, he's one of the goblins. Oh, all right. Didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the late mini-me. The <laughs> All right. The late great mini-me. Do you think Vern Troyer will be in the uh, in memoriam at the Oscars this year? <sighs> I mean, they, they should. I think he should be there. He was part of a, a big cultural sweep of Huge. The- you know, Austin you mean the Powers, love guru? Right? Oh, Austin Powers, right? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, so they they head in there and uh, and then um, they go get him a wand over there at Ollivander's, where we get a really sweet John Hurt scene. Oh man, yeah, that fucking guy. He's dynamite. He's just so good. The, ca- the older cast is filled out by, I mean, it almost flawlessly cast with top just, of the line, like man. amazing British actors, and it, top and, of it the line. and it keeps going as the movies pass. Um, so yeah, yeah, we get John Hurt, and then uh, he he has to go to what platform? He gets an owl. All right, Hedwig. Right, right. Um, and his little dick. And uh, <laughs> angry. What? <laughs> oh, right. So, I was waiting for that joke. Yeah. 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 And so um, I, I just always wish that movie was called Hedwig and the Little Dick. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So then we uh, we head over to pl- uh, Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Right. All right, right. That's like the train station, and he meets the Weasleys. And, yep. uh, you know. We see Julie Walters again. Julie Walters. What did we see her in recently? Mamma Mia. Uh, okay, before the um, the before the only British people clause. Um, <laughs> do you know who was originally in the running to play Mrs. Weasley? I don't. Uh, I think I read it, but I don't remember. They were looking at Rosie O'Donnell. Jeez. <laughs> I would have loved that, dude. <laughs> That would have been a little jarring, I think. All right, listen, kid. <laughs> you just go right through platforms nine and ten, all right? Just get in through there. Fuck Trump. I want to fuck Tom Cruise. Wait, no, I don't. All right? Now, you get on the Hogwarts Express, and you better fucking get to the the, 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 you know, the school, all right? If you try to take any flying cars, I'm putting a fucking boot up your ass. Maybe I would have liked it. I don't know. Yeah. It would have been a different feel. It would have been very weird to have the great Rosie O'Donnell, the dominatrix from Exit to Eden. um, I remember that. Or Buster Poindexter's wife from Car 54, Where Are You? (laughs) Some of her classic film roles. Madonna's uh, baseball friend in League of Their Own. That's right. Uh, Betty. Betty. What's the last name? Slate? Betty, Barney, oh. Rubble. Oh, Betty, Rubble. Right, Betty Rubble, Betty right. Rubble. Of course, right. I should have been thinking in the Rock family. Right. Yeah, right, 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 right. All right. Um, yeah. So they run through the wall. They run through the wall. That's a cool moment. I like the effect, and uh, and they get onto the Hogwarts Express there. 
Uh, Harry's got all this money, so he buys like Ron some chocolate and candy and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I like that scene. Um, you know, part, you know what I was talking about with like the flippancy. Everything's described in the novel. Yeah. The moment in the movie where um, he opens up the chocolate frog and it's like um, Dumble. It's a card of Albus Dumbledore. Right. And and then. He like the picture of him disappears from the car, and Ron says, "Well, you can't expect him to stick around all day." Right. That captured a little bit of what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 So that's delivered in the book as like a drier type of thing. That yeah. Well, I mean, everything yeah. is dry in the book. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. great. Uh, so then uh, Hermione shows up about 40 minutes in. It's too long. Yeah. You gotta get me on the Hogwarts Express by minute 20. I think. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I said. I was happy to be out of, you know, Earth One uh, at that point. It sure. Was, was nice Into the wizarding the world. Yeah, it was nice to get on the train at that point. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and, and Hermione's already great in that scene, you know, when she um, they introduce themselves to her and she goes, pleasure. Yeah. She overpronunciates you know, her. And, and um, you've got dirt there. Did you know? <laughs> Yeah, she's got a, a nice delivery, Emma Watson. Like, uh, that's a character that could really just be annoying and a pain in the ass. Oh, 100%. But, if, if but you've, she's if, not. If, and if I you've think got actor, too precocious an actress in that role, you Like Dakota Fanning or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Just overdone it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Emma Watson toes the line. She's a good actress. And uh, I I, uh, I know she's doing well in terms of box office now because of Beauty and the Beast. I did not see that movie. But I have, like, high hopes for Emma Watson's career. I think she could have, like, a good, like, Amy Adams career going for her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, yeah. Look- I'm really looking forward to that fucking uh, Greta Gerwig Little Women movie. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I won't see that. But, yeah. Why not? I'm not interested. Uh, <laughs> That's because you haven't seen Lady Bird yet. It's on my queue. A- after you see Lady Bird, you'll want to see everything she ever makes. I like Greta Gerwig. I've seen quite a few of her things. Uh, so, yeah. No, no, Doesn't I'm matter. She's an auteur now. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, when I first heard that she was doing Little Women, mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of don't – I'm not interested because, like, I liked Lady Bird so much. I want to see her do more, like, autobiographical shit. Yeah. That being said – has there really I like Little Women's a good book and like there hasn't really been a definitive version of Little Women. Like Well, I didn't read not, the book, but that movie with Winona Ryder, everyone points that's to that. That's a pretty good movie, but I think I think uh, the right filmmaker could top it. And after okay. seeing Lady Bird, I think Grady Gerwig is the right filmmaker for just about anything. All right, well, you'll see it and then you tell me how it is. No. All right. Not going Would on. Would you see fucking mind. Lady Bird? It's on my queue, dude. I have first reformed right in my house right now. Ladybird came out first. You should go in order of when things come out. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you made it sound like First Reformed was a... That's the movie of the year. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Where are we? Hank. Mm-hmm. I, uh... I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on the Hogwarts Express, bro. We can get yeah, off the yeah, train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get off the train. The shot of them taking the boats with the lanterns in them up to the castle is the best shot in the movie. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the Sorting Hat, who's my favorite character. Great. Yeah. I like that. Talking Hat. The design of it is perfect. 
it's maybe my favorite design work in the movie. Really? Yeah. Um, Why? Just cause, like, because, like, it's a far-fetched thing. It's the kind of thing, like, reading about the fucking talking hat in the book. I, 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 like, what do you even picture? Right, 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 right. And they kind of didn't, like, give it features, but they did. Yeah. Like, with shadows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I it's agree. Cool. That was cool. It was cool. And uh, and the voice of it's great. Yeah, I agree. Who Who was that? Was that anybody special or no? I don't think so. Doesn't Toby Jones? Oh, that's in the next one. Um, no, I don't remember who does the voice for the Sorting Hat, Frank but it's Welker. fucking great. I made it, and it's not Frank Welker. I'm, uh, if you listen to the Real Weird Sisters 30 Rock episode, I tried to do the voice of the Sorting Hat, and it sounds ridiculous, but oh. it was fun. Can I hear a little snippet of that here? Sure, sure. It's like, Gryffindor! Hmm. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like the guy I got to do the BAFTA theme. It but, does uh, sound like that, man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So Harry gets up there and he's like, and Harry's whispering to himself, "Not Slytherin," because that's like the evil kids, <laughs> right? Right. Right. And right. Uh, and so the hat's like, "Oh, but you do quite well there." <laughs> oh. And, and Harry's like, "Please, Gryffindor," and and well, Gryffindor. Well, sure, oh, all right. It better be Gryffindor. <laughs> and uh, I caves like, in rather easily. This hat he does, he does because I think like Harry could go either way. He's like overly ambitious, like a Slytherin, but he's brave as shit, like a Gryffindor. Right, and that that was uh, something. So as a viewer, not without the books too. Uh, you know, I I, I assumed. Uh, and from all I've heard, you know, it's impossible to avoid hearing about this stuff. But, you know, Slytherin are the bad guys. But then, of course, so I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm wondering why this Hogwarts Academy would even have. I know one of them was a founder, a Slytherin. But why, given all the backstory, would there even be a House of Slytherin? They're, well, he, it's not that they're villains. The, right. the Slytherin uh, group are all just very single-minded and ambitious and, um, and self-oriented. Got it. Which ultimately leads to villains, but right. I, but I mean that's not necessarily the way they're supposed to be. I, I mean Severus Snape is. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. Don't spoil it. anything. He's for like me. a bit of a black and white character. Yeah, he's uh, very cool. Uh, the great Alan Rickman. Yeah, he's the best casting in the entire franchise. Oh really? He's okay. so fucking good. Uh, in this, the my favorite moment in the entire first movie is Alan Rickman. Um, asking the kids like why they're they're walking around the corridors and he and the way he delivers this line so slow like like owning every word and he just goes <laughs> people might think you're up to something <laughs> <laughs> oh man just ripping i love yeah, it he's great yeah. um so um whatever uh what happens next then right uh, we are uh, bludgeoned to death with John Williams throughout the movie. Yeah, um, I mean, we can talk about that. There's a lot of it, it's it's you know it's funny because I really like the score. Like it's I like taken the main on its own, theme. Taken on its own merits, I think the music is good. I I like the main theme. I like Hedwig's theme in the second movie. I think the the Phoenix theme is really dynamite. But yeah. at least in these first two movies, it is just constantly playing. Yeah, it never stops. Yeah. Ever. I mean, and I mean, I guess I get it. But at the same time, I don't I didn't find it necessary. 
like it's not I, necessary. Yeah, I always find that you know if music is going to play continuously, it should either be an enhancer uh, of an already good movie, just like another uh, aspect, uh, or not even character, if you will, uh, or it's trying to compensate for a bad movie. Yeah, and and this is not a bad movie, and it doesn't need to be propelled, and it's not enhanced by constant music. So I I don't know, especially like during the Quidditch match and stuff. I mean, oh my god, the fucking Quidditch match! I, I, Quidditch is a great invention of the novel, and I understand why they wanted to depict it on the screen. The special effects are very impressive, but like, mm. I mean, mm. at the time they were okay. Yeah, but uh, it's just the books need like an extracurricular subplot, and so like the story of like Harry, you know playing in his dad's footsteps, being on the Gryffindor Quidditch team is really nice. But the Quidditch um, storylines very rarely tie into the central storylines of yeah. the books. And so, like, if something's got to go, get the fuck rid of Quidditch. I understand wanting to have it in the first movie, but mm-hmm. I don't need any Quidditch in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, and it's a, it's something to touch upon, too. And I, I realize when I watch it, it's really not something that bothered me as much as I thought it was going to bother me. Which was uh, was was Rowling's, uh, re, uh, you know, complete reliance on, and I'm not saying they're not original at all, but her reliance upon like all the mythologies, you know, Greek mythology. I mean, some of them are veiled, some of them are just right up there. You know, mm-hmm. you got Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Yeah. You know, you get a centaur. You know, and and that was interesting to me. That, but I I was a little l- lighter, easier on it because you know it's the same shit that Tolkien does. I mean, everybody borrows from that kind of stuff. I thought that it would bug me more to constantly kind of see these tropes that have already some, been written. Some of that but, bothers me. Yeah, uh, but, because honestly, J.K. Right. Rowling is such a fucking brilliant mind that. Um, I I more like when she invents concepts out of whole cloth because she's well, really yeah. fucking good at that. Well, and, I and I do wish that she had because I mean it is bizarre to watch the sequence with the the three headed dog and just be like, I mean that it's who really not, cares? The three headed well, dog. It's not, is, it's not original, so but it's supposed to be this. It's very cool, but it's just kind of like no one. I mean, it's, obviously, it, the original part of it is that it's basically like a house pet. But it's a giant, fierce three. I get dog. it, but but I, I to come me, up with something different. What bothered me more? It, what bothers me more is uh, some of the other stuff. The the troll sequence is really right. bad CGI, and I understand why it's there. It's to get Hermione to be more a part of the group, but right. I I don't need it. And um, here's a question, Henry. Yeah. Is the Forbidden Forest sequence the ghost blow job of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? <laughs> You go into the Forbidden Forest, all right? And and the movie's been imaginative as fuck, the entire movie. And all of a sudden, there's like a a unicorn. Yeah, I'm in Unicorn blood. Right, well, that's what I'm talking about. And then then a fucking centaur shows up and starts chatting with them. Yeah. It is stupid. That was actually, by the way, the worst CGI for me. Oh, that CGI is garbage. Yeah, I mean... That's what I mean. Like, I, I guess I just surrendered myself to it and didn't didn't just stop being a cranky old critic about it because it's like, all right, whatever. This is who she came up with. I'm not going to change that. It's fine. But it, you are right. I think when you only there's something... need the centaur in the movie because that character comes back later on in the series. Well, yeah, but, you know, 
Why a, cent- why a centaur and why claim it centaur, as your own? I totally, I mean, she's I mean, not claiming it as her own, but. Well, she doesn't call it a cent. I mean, I don't understand. That's no, no, confusing. no, no. The books refer to them as centaurs. Oh, they do? Yes, absolutely. All right, well, they don't in the movie. So there you go. And and so, but I have I have actually a question about Quidditch, if you don't, if you don't mind. Um, please. Yes, uh, it's a game. It's a rule thing. I'm trying to figure Listen, out. Listen, I, thought- I, I know what you're going to say. Okay, well, hold on. Maybe you do, because it, it continues in the second movie, and I did my my question was still not answered. I have a question about Quidditch too. It drives oh, me nuts. All right, well, maybe it's the same thing. Uh-huh. Mine is if the goal of Quidditch is to catch the little gold ball, then what is the purpose of? ever throwing the bigger balls through the hoops. Here's the because deal. It doesn't here's, matter how many points you score. No, if you it get does. Ball, it does, Henry. Henry, you, when you catch the golden snitch, the game is over, okay? Right. And you get 150 points. For your school or for the game? Because I noticed that's a thing, too. Oh, God. No, it, this has nothing to do with the house cup. Okay, so you get All 150 right? points. All right. For the game. And and so the the goal with the quaffles and and you know whatever they uh, if you score if you get to be over a hundred fifty points more mm-hmm. than the other team mm-hmm. then even if they catch the golden snitch and end the game you still win oh but okay. you only get like ten points per goal and they have like <laughs> goalies. Right. I think beaters, they're called, covering the goals. So, right. like, how many fucking goals are you going to score before that golden snitch is caught? So, it's never going to happen. We'd be watching, like, a 19-hour Quidditch match. I think it's one of the things where in um, in school version of Quidditch. The, school the, version? Like, in, in, like, the, in like the Hogwarts Quidditch. Okay. The golden snitch team is going to win every time. I think there's probably more strategy involved when you actually branch out to the the professional Quidditch leagues. <laughs> you laugh, but there is a 100-page sequence of the fourth book that takes place at the Quidditch World Cup. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. Whew. Wow. Uh, that would be tough. No, to- it's great. Okay. Well, yeah. So she takes basically what it's like: soccer, lacrosse, hockey, and mixes them all it's together. Soccer. Now, look, yeah. it, it's a stupid game, I think, Quidditch. But you know, you've got to imagine that it's just like in the real world, where you know there's probably other wizard sports, and right. the, and American wizards play way better sports. <laughs> For some reason, the rest of the world is obsessed with this really shitty sport, Quidditch. Hmm, but I, I like... would, but I would think that American wizards are playing a way better sport. Oh, yeah, maybe a couple of them. I I see what you're saying. So you're saying like the rest of the world is into Sakaka Quidditch, <laughs> and the other parts in the Americans mm-hmm. play like. You know, uh, race ball, base, baseball, and football. But I've got to imagine the secret best. I got to imagine the secret best uh, wizard uh, game originated in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. So that's Quidditch. Yeah. So, um, 
<laughs> that's Quidditch. <laughs> um, okay, so we get the so they break in. They have to find the Sorcerer's Stone before they think Snape is looking for it, like evil right. Snape. Right. Turns yeah, out- and, I, and I didn't know. I mean, I had I had a pretty strong suspicion it wasn't him. It seemed like a pretty good MacGuffin, uh, especially Alan Rickman being cast in it. Uh, I was surprised because you'll remember I saw this movie before I read the book. Mm. And uh, the the reveal that it is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, Professor Quirrell, took me by surprise. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be Snape, but I didn't have him pegged either. Me neither. And, no, uh, me neither. And so I, um, I really enjoyed that twist. And, yeah, so did I. And if you go back and rewatch the movie knowing the twist... It is really wonderfully uh, set up a hundred times. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, because they meet him. For, uh, he first meets him like in the in that like bar type of thing, right? When That's right. Yeah. And you and know, you know why he's in that fucking bar? Because he's going to turn out to be the villain of the movie, and we're not going to get to Hogwarts till the forty minute mark, and you need to introduce your villain before that. Ah, yeah. Okay. All right, interesting. We do get Hagrid describing uh, Voldemort to um, Harry in the Leaky Cauldron at one point. And uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I sure. like that scene quite a bit. You know what the best moment in that scene is? What, when, what's the Leaky Cauldron again? That's that bar slash okay, right. hotel or inn or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so uh, I love the moment where – it's one of my favorite moments in the movie where Harry um, wants Hagrid to say the name Voldemort. And and Hagrid says like you're not supposed to say the name, and right. Harry goes, "Can't you write it down?" And and without missing a beat, Hagrid just goes, "No, I can't spell it." <laughs> Great moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Uh, you reminded me of it. I didn't. I didn't remember it. Yeah. Um, I I was surprised too at the end. Not only I I didn't think that this would be revealed. Uh, so soon that you would actually see Voldemort. Now, I, here's I, an interesting thing. Because I that. remember Rafe Fiennes, for some reason, whatever one I saw, I remember him. He Okay, then, you, then you've seen up to the fourth one, because I think he makes his first appearance in the fourth one. Well, there you go then. Yeah, so I that must have been the one I saw in theaters, I guess. Um, so I didn't, I didn't think this guy would make an appearance at all yet. It's and really so, weird because... Um, I was a little uh, disappointed, to be honest. Quirrell takes his... Uh, his turban off and reveals Voldemort on the back of his head, which is very shocking and kind of disturbing. It's like body horror. Yeah, it totally is. It's Cronenberg. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but the weird thing about it is it, it doesn't look like Ray Fiennes. Not at all. And, and they didn't have a nose on Ray Fiennes. They gave him like a snake nose. I remember that. And this guy's got a very defined nose. And here's my question, Henry, (laughs) would you support, a George Lucas style special edition of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone that popped Ray Fines on the back of Quirrell's head. I think I would. Yeah, go for it. Why yeah. Not? Let George have a little crack at it. And since we d- we're not giving a shit about that, does that mean we were being too hard on George for doing that? Look, man. Are we are we if- putting are we making Star Wars too sacred a cow? Well, he can, I mean, maybe we're opening a door where we can allow George to fuck up other people's movies, but not his own. <laughs> yeah. You know, just don't touch your own films. But if you want to come in there and throw Ray Fine's nose on there, that'd be great if he just got his nose 
if know, they just pop the nose out of that face. Yeah. yeah. Or what could have happened, it was Ray Fine's character in the English patient pre-burn. And then he got burned alive, and then he turns into Voldemort. I'm not going to go along with your uh, English patient uh, run. Okay. Okay. So um, he, <laughs> Harry Potter wins the day because of love, I guess. Which fuck that. And I, 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 I hate those. <laughs> that movies. was a little unoriginal. I it was a little sucks. surprised that with sucks. that. I don't remember how it goes in the book, but I don't remember being as disappointed as the movie. Maybe it just—it's one of those things that works better on the page or whatever. Yeah. Um, Richard Harris is still really good in in delivering, you know, that kind of sappy monologue. He's great. It's, he's just really good. And there's yeah. so many other actors we haven't even mentioned. Maggie no, Smith is fucking baller in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so um, so then we go to <laughs> the 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 Great Hall. Mm-hmm. And um, they're doing like the end of semester ceremony, end of the year ceremony, and they have to award the house cup. They give out points for like achievements in like academia in the right. school. Right. And uh, fucking Dumbledore got that <laughs> raw bias against Slytherin, baby. Very true, Slytherin's man. Slytherin's got the house cup locked up. Meanwhile, Very true. we're seeing motherfuckers get like five points here, ten points there. <laughs> He's you don't hear side. anything about. I didn't even remember the other two houses, what their names were. Hufflepuff or and Ravenclaw. They do Rep. not matter in these movies. Did, at all? Do they ever matter? They matter in the books here and there, like because no. you'll meet characters and they're like that dude's a Ravenclaw, or that lady's a Hufflepuff. Well, but um, yeah, but but really, like they're, you know, like one of them. I don't even remember. I think like Ravenclaws just like. They're the academics. They're smart mm-hmm. kids. And yeah. like Hufflepuff, they're just like fucking like, you know, they're nice or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK. Um, I huh. Next week, um, the uh, our guests will sort you into a, a Harry Potter house. I think. Oh, yeah. interesting. They've sorted me, Henry. What were you? They, they say I'm a Slytherin. I can see that. All right. Yeah. But I don't think that's an insult at all. No, I mean, nor do I. I think Slytherin's cool. I'll hang out in Slytherin with uh, Draco and Crab and Goyle and shit. Um, you know, yeah. you know, Crab and Goyle those fat kids. Yeah. One of them's in, got went to jail. Really? As, a, as an adult? Yeah. Oh. Or like what inciting for? violence during a riot or something. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so. Um, uh, uh, I love all the shit with Neville Longbottom at the end of this movie, where he like he gets like the points that push Gryffindor to the top. But fucking Dumbledore, what a dick to Slytherin. He's just like, all right, so uh, for <laughs> Ron for playing chess gets a hundred fifty points or some yeah. shit. It's Seems ridiculous. I'd be pretty pissed off if, if I, I was, was a Slytherin, Slytherin. I would be fucking transferring schools. There'd be a. <laughs> There'd be a mutiny and definitely a transfer. I mean, and it was also funny because they were, he rewards all of them for what they did, which makes sense. But when he gives the uh, long bottom, it's for trying to stop them from what they did. Right. Which, but I didn't Standing even. Standing up to your friends. But I didn't even, I had to thing. think about it for a second. I was like, when did he stand Because up? he stood like, up and was like, hey, guys, stop. Right. Uh, yeah, that one was an odd choice it works better in the book that one i'll say yeah i didn't uh so um and and i'll say to the point of the slytherin fellas then we come back from break right 
Uh, they had hired Quirrell as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. He turns out to be fucking Lord Voldemort. And right. you've got, like, your head of house, um, S- Snape, who's the potions professor. He's always wanted to be the Defense Against the Dark Arts te- teacher. Yeah. And now we've got an opening because the teacher turned out to be fucking Voldemort. We're going to skip over this guy and hire Gilderoy Lockhart. I, I was I was surprised at that. I'd promotion. be furious if I was a Slytherin. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, that was really evidence of you know you do a lot of work in life, you work your way through something, and you still get fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah very poor. Snape uh, got hosed. He really did get hosed. Uh, I don't know. Dumbledore's decisions, for the most part, I guess, in the grander scheme of things, are good. But he 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 is really into favoritism. He's got Potter bias, and he fucking hates Slytherin. And it's a you know you gotta feel bad. You gotta understand why Draco's got to bug up his ass all the time. You know yeah. you can't blame Draco on any level. He's been sorted into this Slytherin house that gets shit on all the time, and his dad <laughs> is a fucking Nazi, so he's being raised <laughs> with propaganda all over the place. Very true. Yeah. 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 It's very true. You're, you're kind of sliding into the next movie, but yeah. Right, well, right. well, let's get there. All right. So um, that's the end of the movie. Uh, Harry, you know, you're going home now. And he's like, no, nah, this is my home or whatever. It's sweet. <laughs> what do you give this movie? I'm giving this movie a solid three Me stars. Too. Oh, okay. I thought you'd go higher. No, it's a three. I, I, there are movies in this franchise. I, uh, frankly, a bunch of movies in this franchise I like more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but and and this is way more of a, a kids movie. I can't wait to show it to my nieces someday. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, it's too fucking long, and too many of the bits don't work. And uh, you know, it, I, I I am giving it three because I I did enjoy myself. Uh, it's a it's a good time. It is tiresome uh, it's totally I a good think, time fun movie. I, I yeah fun movie i didn't think there were too many dull moments but i did really really feel the length i didn't see any need for it to be that long i uh, definitely felt the no length need. in chamber more though i felt in it both but but yeah um but i'm still gonna give it three because it's it's very enjoyable um my uh mvp uh, I should probably save this for later, but... Uh, it's just for the first one. Yeah, I'm going to change it on the spot here because I just realized I'm not going to be able to do this, and I have to give it out. So despite us talking shit, uh, I'm going to go with Richard Harris. Love it. He's great. Yeah. My, My, I'm, uh, I'm going to go yeah. with uh, Emma Watson, MVP of this one. Already? Yeah, yeah fuck it. Yeah. She's great. Uh, you know, Snape is great, but he's not in it that much. Right, um, right. You know, I... I no, you know what? For the first one, I'll go with Hagrid. I, I fucking love oh, Robbie okay. Coltrane. I mean, I was going to go with, with uh, Harry Potter. As but the I, MVP. Yeah, but we I... didn't talk a lot about Daniel Radcliffe. Right. Well, I, the reason I'm switching it is because I realized, too, how great Richard Harris was, and I'm, it's not going to really get to happen again. And, and I'm sure I'm looking forward to seeing Daniel Radcliffe, like, get better. Mm-hmm. So he can wait. And okay. uh, so I'm going to give it to. Yeah. Uh, and my LVP was was very obvious for me. Who's that? That's John Williams. Oh, man. Yeah. Because I, I like I, his but main But I don't theme. totally think it's his fault. It's like it's well, it's no, it is. I, no, I, I, it, I, I was I watched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail last night. Oh. And um, I, I was reading about it afterwards. And Terry Jones said that he showed that movie to like an audience uh, with way more score in it 
and uh-huh. he said that some of the lines that he thought were really good laugh lines didn't get as big laughs as he felt they deserved. And then he re-edited the movie so that um, the score never plays over a punchline. Oh, very cool. And yeah. he, the movie got such a better reception, and, and he did that for the rest of his career. And I I think that's such a bright thing to think of well i agree completely but i'm not giving it to john williams because it he's too prevalent i'm giving it to him because of his unoriginality it's just not one of his better scores all right all right i think his main theme is nice uh-huh. uh and catchy and does the job and i even like its little uh incarnations that he does uh but for the most part the rest of the score i i was hearing i i'm not even going to be snobby about classical music i was hearing his own music a lot like it was very it was it became distracting in certain points i was just like uh, this, this is star wars stuff this is super, superman's yeah. i i noticed over. there were a couple star wars things. oh my god yeah. and, it, and that just leads me to the conclusion sometimes which i think is pretty obvious to say but it's just sometimes john williams isn't really trying and i mean i think he really tried to get a good main theme and he succeeded but to score an entire movie no that's that. All right. My LVP is uh, Quirrell. I, that oh. actor's name is Ian Hart. That's correct. I think he's okay, but for the main villain in, yeah. in your first Harry Potter movie, I think you need a stronger performance. Just a bigger performance. Yeah, that's a good point. He's kind of a nobody. I guess that's maybe what they were going for. But Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you, don't, you wouldn't peg him, but uh, whatever. Uh, I do have a superhero count of four. I thought it'd be more than that. So did I. I took me a very long time. <laughs> the is, first... is the second one a lot more? No, it's less. Really? Yep. Yeah. All right. Who are the four? Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, number one. No. What the uh, fuck? I want the theme. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I was getting carried. I was getting carried away with the. Uh, here we go. Get get carried away. That was the tagline of the first Sex in the City movie. Vote for uh, Cynthia Nixon, gang. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, the kid who played Draco, Tom Felton. Tom Felton. Now, I know where you're going with this. He was. He did an arc on a full season of The Flash as a character there you named go. Julian. And he was so, you know, I, I always thought he was fine as, like, Draco, um, but never thought much about it. And he was so good on The Flash that I was really hoping they'd fold that character into being a regular character on the show, and I was I was genuinely disappointed when they didn't. Oh, okay. He was really good, yeah. Well, you nailed it. Um, second is Richard Griffiths, um, you know, the bad uncle. Sure. Uh, this was funny, because I remembered it. In Superman 2, in that opening sequence in the Eiffel Tower. Okay. Remember that? Yeah. He's one of the terrorists planning Holy the bomb. shit. Isn't that something? That's really weird. Yeah, and I remembered it, too. There's a big, fat terrorist in there speaking <laughs> French. Uh, number three is your boy Ian Hart, Quirrell. Quirrell. Can you guess what he was in? Cause you, no idea. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Dr. Franklin Hall. Uh, I think that's a Hydra guy. I could be okay. wrong. Okay. Probably. And lastly, uh, we've done it before. Uh, John Hurt uh, was in uh, Hellboy. Yeah. Playing Broom Bruttenholm 
And uh, in V for Vendetta, he was the bad guy, Adam Sutler. Uh, yeah. The bad guys in that movie were the directors. Filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> All right. So, uh... Chamber of Secrets, Henry. Chamber of Secrets. It comes to us uh, almost a, a year later to the day. Oh, really? That, yeah. Wow. One year. Okay. It's it's the shortest window between Harry Potter movies, but they, they really wanted to get this baby going. It comes out uh, November 15th, 2002. Budget of $100 million, less than the first one, weirdly. Box mm. office of $879 million, a little less than the first one, too. I think the first one was the highest grossing Harry Potter movie until, like, the last one. I think you're right. I think I read that. Yeah. That's interesting to me. So, I mean, what happened? Did some of these the interest wane? I don't or... think so. I just think, like, people, more people, like, j- checked it out. Like, let's yes. see what this yeah. is. Right. And right. then when the, se- when the last one came out, it was, like, a similar thing. Like, every TV show, like, the series finale is always, like, the ratings are higher because right. people that may have, like, watched the first few were like, let's see how it ends. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. Um, so Chamber of Secrets, uh, it was number, you know, uh, Sorcerer's Stone was, of course, number one at the box office in 2001. Chamber of Secrets is number four at the box office in, two, okay. in 2002. Yeah. Um, number five, of course, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Number four, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And it was only beaten by Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Spider-Man at number one. Ah, good. Uh, Okay, so, uh, you know, one thing I realized we didn't talk about when we did the first one, Henry, is the writer, Steve Cloves. Oh, Wonder Boys. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, this guy um, is really important to the Harry Potter franchise. I think more important than Chris Columbus because he wrote seven of the eight movies. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. He, okay. he writes the first four, then he takes a little leave of absence for the fifth one, and he comes back for six, seven, and eight. Wow. And he's also uh, wrote one of my favorite movies that you don't care about, The Fabulous Baker Boys. He wrote and directed that movie, Henry. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. He, he got a start as an auteur. He wrote and directed Fabulous Baker Boys and then Flesh and Bone. And then, oh, yeah. and then he kind of went to director jail after that, but he kept <laughs> writing and uh, he wrote Wonder Boys, which is a really great movie. Yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, then just like spent the next decade of his career working yeah. on Harry Potter. basically. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. He also wrote the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, which. All right. Ooh. Um, but hey, the Harry Potter franchise gave him a little bit of uh, clout back yeah, because well, I, I, I see he's working on his third film as a director. What's that? It looks like a lawyer movie. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll star either Matthew McConaughey or Denzel Washington. I'd be fine with either one. Yeah. I, I That new Matthew McConaughey movie, White Boy Rick, looks real good. Oh, I don't, I've heard of it. I don't think I saw it. Really? I've seen the trailer like a hundred times. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, so, um, Steve Cloves, he's, he's a talented writer. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about our 2002 lists. I redid right. my 2002 list. Did you, had you redone it before? I, not I think a long did. time, but yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't redone mine at all, ever, and so I decided it was time for a change. I, I ended up only knocking off uh, 
uh, a couple of things, but uh, they were important. It's a pretty so. good year. I wrote down. It was a crazy. Year. I wrote down seventeen movies, so I have seven honorable mentions right here. I wrote thirty-two movies. Holy uh, shit! Why yeah, would you write I, that many down? You'd have well, to know some of them aren't going to make it. Oh, I knew. I, I just like to write down on this year just things of significance to me, and then I like narrowed it down, crossed them out. So I'm not going to name all of my honorable mentions, obviously. Please don't. No, I have 17 of them. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to just name a few. Wait. Uh, don't you have... What? Yeah, but I whittled, I whittled some of those. I, okay. I said 32, but I whittled. I crossed some of those just off even being an honorable mention. Okay. So they're just gone. All right. Uh, uh, my seven honorable mentions, I'll just read them really quick. Our yeah, cat, I'll do seven then. Our Catch Me If You Can, The Born Identity, Eight Mile, Panic Room, The Pianist, Secretary, and of course, Swim Fan. Interesting. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just pick seven then. All right. Go I'll go for seven. Uh, unfaithful. Yeah. Uh, one Hour Photo. Oh, sure. Uh, Eight Mile. Uh-huh. Uh, the Pianist. Yeah. Uh, the Ring. The Ring. Yeah. Really like it. Okay. Uh, City, City of God, Frida. Oh, City of God. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And Secretary was also on there. That was with Spider and the Sultan Sea. Okay. Um, uh, all right. What's your number 10? Uh, Spider Man. Love it. My number 10 is The Rules of Attraction. Great movie. Didn't see it till you gave it to me on VHS. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Big box of VHS I gave you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my number nine making its list debut is The Born Identity. My number nine is the American release of The Piano Teacher. <laughs> fair game. Fair game. My number eight is 28 Days Later. Uh, my number eight is Lovely and Amazing. All right. That's that's Hall of Center, right? Yep. That's my favorite Hall of Center. Okay. My number seven making its list debut is Insomnia. My number, uh, you fuck, God, the boner you have for Christopher Nolan is disgusting. Hey, when I tell you what I took off, uh, you know, I don't want to hear any shit from you. Memento. <laughs> all right, my I, num- I hate that movie. Right. And you know it. My number seven is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah, I bumped that. Uh, my number six, I was. this was tough. I almost bumped it, but I didn't. Uh, Bowling for Columbine. Great movie. My number six is Punch Drunk Love. Ooh, fucking terrible movie. <laughs> your P.T. Anderson hard on, my friend. Oh. He's warranted. Okay, not, what's your number not five? Not for that movie. People make bad movies. Yeah, I uh, know. It's called Inherent Vice. <laughs> which I loved. I know. All right. Should I skip the heavy hitters theme? You, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, we can skip it. it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> The grand slams, the slap shots. Yeah, the, you, you can do it. The yeah, puck yeah. when the curling when the I have puck a couple goes of listeners who like hearing it twice. These twice are the heavy bit, hitters you know. of the franchise. Heavy hitters. But you win. Okay, what's uh, number five? Number five making its list debut. Uh, Narc. Sure, Joe Carnahan. Great my, fucking movie. My number five is Bowling for Columbine. For some reason, I thought you were. Is it Fahrenheit 9-11 you're kind yeah, of Yeah, I don't with? like Fahrenheit 9-11. Bowling uh, for Columbine, as far as I'm concerned, is Michael Moore's masterpiece. I and, got it. Uh, I mean, still, 
I mean, after the fucking weird Madden 2019 <laughs> shooting this week is as relevant as ever. Well, I agree. That's kind of why I kept it on. All right. Yeah, you articulated it well. Um, my number four is Panic Room. All right. Uh, great movie. Uh, that one hurt a lot not having it on the list. Yeah, I bet. I jumped it up. I moved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My number four is um, uh, Adaptation. That was uh, in my honorable mentions. I didn't mention it, but yes. My number three is About Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, my number three is About Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> Still love that. Um, and yeah, my top three didn't change. <laughs> if nobody out there has ever seen that movie, you got to fucking see About Schmidt. It's, All right, it's honestly about- in the conversation for best Jack Nicholson performance. And oh, that right. is Absolutely. saying something. That is saying something. And, yeah. and I honestly think it's in the conversation for best Alexander Payne movie. I think it is. It is in yeah. the conversation. Yeah. 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 Uh, my number two movie of 2002 is a movie I saw three times in the theater, and that is Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good movie. My number two is Far From Heaven. That was on my list. All right, go ahead. What's that? What? Nothing, nothing. What'd Uh, you say? My yellow dog joke that I make constantly. Oh. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right, good. Oh, we're going to have the same number one, huh? I I think so. It'll never change. Yeah. Uh, That's 25th hour. 25th hour, sure. Spike Lee's most recent masterpiece until this year. Yeah. I mean, 25th Hour is an absolute masterpiece. I, I agree on Black Klansman, too. Mm-hmm. But 25th Hour, I, it's always interesting to see. I, I, I love Spike Lee, but I always, I, I even, I read something recently about, there was some highly uh, influential critic who wrote that it's his, it is his masterpiece, as if he only had one. It was an interesting. That's absurd. Yeah, it's a little, I mean, I don't think it's absurd, but it's ignoring no, it's absurd the right because, thing. No, no, no. And, he, he's made four perfect movies as far as i'm concerned go ahead uh do the right thing uh malcolm x mm-hmm. black Klansman, and uh and 25th hour and yeah, and, and yeah. that's not even including some movies that are very near masterpieces in my mind she's gotta have it and mo better blues and uh, he's incredible he's one of the best filmmakers there ever was so i agree, like, I agree. let's calm down and look at his entire career and uh, i i agree yeah. i but it, it was a it was a funny reaction i had only because i was happy to see someone even mention it <laughs> yeah because it was in a review of black klansman and it said something like uh, you know along with his his masterpiece 25th right, hour right. wow it's the oh, first you time know I, what? I think i think i read that review oh uh, did that, you that, that rings a bell to me yeah yeah i was just like happy to see a critic even say that some people you know? do um i i think uh the av club at one point ran a list of like the top 50 movies of the 2000s or something mm-hmm. yeah, i think 25th hour might have been like number one or something oh wow yeah. good good uh all right all right gang chamber of seeks let's do it it, it starts off, uh, Harry's back at home with the Dursleys. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, we do, we're going to do that. And uh, he, Why can't he stay at Hogwarts? They don't, they right don't have a that. summer program, Henry. So no indigent children are, are like, allowed? No, if they have a bad home life, they're allowed to stay over the holidays, Henry. Oh. Harry Harry always ends up staying there over Christmas. Christmas, right, right. But right. uh but over the summer you got to do your own thing. I think eventually in the Harry Potter books he just started hanging out with the Weasleys in the summers. I get it. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so we we get uh, the, the Dursleys are having company over. Yeah, All right? they, are, they are. They have a, his boss, right? Yeah. So uh, Harry better stay in his fucking room and not make a sound. <laughs> All right. He's got a bedroom, at least at this point. He was That's sleeping true. under the stairs. So That's true. he um, he's staying up there and he's planning on being quiet. But oh, buddy, here he comes. Dobby, the house elf. Yeah. All right. Making a uh, real nuisance of himself. Um, this character sucks. I like Dobby a lot. Whoa! Dobby is so annoying to me. I don't even like him in the books. I like Dobby. I um. And the again, book fans that are giving me shit about that, I love the whole fucking house self liberation front and shit. But leave me alone, with Dobby. House self liberation. Yeah. Well. Um, health. Health. Or I don't remember what it is. It's um, the uh, Hermione becomes like a a voice for the house elf like she's trying wow. to free the house elves <laughs> like it's an it's a funny story because it's like it's the same thing like they're doing the storyline where like the high school kid first becomes aware of politics yeah and yeah. like goes all in on it it's real cute okay. uh, right. i don't think they did it in the movies that's the only reason i'm talking about it but, uh, um, yeah I, I like dobby a lot uh again at the time rewatching this totally confused thinking of Gollum, thinking he spoke the it, same it way do, it's similar to Gollum, and it but it, i'll take dobby any day uh yeah i guess Smeagol. i like dobby all right so it's the it's the voiced by the second best truman capote uh toby jones <laughs> and um <laughs> uh. Didn't know that. You know, from Wayward Pines. I didn't count him in my superhero count, so I'll get that out of the way. He's in the Marvel movies. (laughs) Oh, you didn't know that that's Toby Jones? No, no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's in all those fucking Marvel movies. Right. So, um... What what happens? He the, so uh, he, he they interrupt the party. They make a cake fall on a guy's head. It's slapstick silly. Yep. Um. And uh, the the Weasleys, Ron and his brothers Fred and George, they come pick him up in the flying car. Yeah, they break him out of his house. Yeah. Through barred windows. Yeah, and uh, and Vernon, you know, Mister Dursley falls out the window. I like that bit. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> didn't die. No. But, <laughs> he lands on a bush. Of course. Yeah. I mean, but if you weigh 500 pounds and you fall like yeah, you'll that. You'll probably die. You don't think you're dead. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, or at least you break your back. Break your back, concussion. Yeah, it could be a real nightfall situation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Nice what comic nerd riff. All right. Woo. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so they, all right, it's Hazel. Go ahead. So they drive over or to Azrael. Azrael, yeah. They drive over to uh, the Weasley's house, the 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 burrow, I think it's called. Yeah, a little. And, yeah. And uh, you know, she they're there. Um, apparently, young Ginny's been totally wet for Harry all summer. She's got like a major crush on him, and yeah. um, and that's cute. I like that scene. And then um. That's before they all go into town, right? Yeah. Well, we we Isaac's yeah team. we meet um, the Weasley's dad, who um, he's okay in this movie, but I always thought that character was really great, mm. and I feel like we maybe should have made him a bigger role, cast a better actor, a oh. bigger a bigger name. You know, like we have John Cleese in these movies as a ghost, right? He shows up like every three seconds. He yeah, could have been the dad. Yeah, let's use John Cleese over there as the dad. Right. 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 Um, for sure. 
So they, they have to go to Diagon Alley again. They're going by flu powder, which is a transport system by way of uh, chimney and uh, or fireplace. And I didn't even realize that. Is that why they all stand in there? Yes, I just thought it was yeah. you could stand anywhere. And no, do, okay, it's a I thing it. in the books. There's Got like it. a few ways to like transport in the <laughs> books. One of them's flu powder. One of them port key. But I don't think mm. we get one of those to the fourth one. So. Okay. Uh, oh my god! I forgot that I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I have yeah. not talked about Harry I Potter didn't. like this in years. Yeah, I didn't forget. That's why I was highly reliant on you for Holy this kind of stuff. Holy shit! Yeah, there well are done. things I thought I didn't have in my brain about Harry Potter that I do. Well, reading all those books twice—I mean, they would have to stick with you. Yeah, something. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So uh, zesty lime seltzer. All right. So we um. We get going. They're, they're supposed to say Diagon Alley. Clearly. Clearly, and, that's what they're supposed to and say. And Harry Potter, like a fucking dick, like a weird fucking incompetent piece of shit, <laughs> says diagonally. <laughs> Couldn't see that coming. Yeah. So yeah. he ends up in like a weird store and we get like spooky clues to like. He's, he slides into the set from uh, from hell. It does look sudden. like that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. In or that, or yeah. Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he meets. Is that where we see um, uh, Lucius Malfoy for the first time? Well, I think he gets out by that point and he sees him in the store. No. We, well, we definitely see him in the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so oh, he might see him in the street. I, I don't remember. I think he sees him in that store. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So right. so the, it's um, Jason Isaacs, uh, a very fine actor of some. Note. Love Jason Isaacs. Yeah, really good. And uh, and I think Resident he, Evil, right? Of course, Resident Evil. Yeah, <laughs> that that right. is his foremost role. Oh, uh, I see. But I uh, I love him in in these movies. I think he's really really good. Yeah, um, I he was my MVP, and then he ended up not really being in it very much. Yeah, because so. he's in it a lot at the beginning and a lot at the end. Because they're they're mostly setting him up for future movies. Okay, but yeah. uh, but he's good in the time he's given, and I really, you know, do you know about the whole ad lib thing at the end? No, nope. no. Nope. I love the story. So, um, in the script, it was written that, like, Dumbledore gives, like, at the end of the movie, it gives Lucius a talking to, and he just, like, books out. Yeah. And, um, it, and, and Jason Isaacs, using his very actorly instincts, is like, Lucius is not the type of guy that's just gonna, like, walk out with his tail between his legs. He's right. gonna, he's gonna, like, say something snarky. Mm -hmm. So, he ad-libbed the line... Like, um, well, let's just hope Harry Potter's around to save everyone next time. <laughs> and supposedly, without missing a fucking beat, Daniel Radcliffe, little Danny Radcliffe, pipes yeah. in with his own ad lib. Don't worry, I will be. And they oh, kept it in the movie. Cool, I yeah. didn't know that. I love that's, that. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. I, I, I dig that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we we go to this bookstore and uh, Gilderoy Lockhart is signing books, and it turns out this fellow is going to be the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. He's like a sort of a crocodile hunter style, yeah, uh, right, right, wizarding personality, and he's played by Kenneth Branagh, and I think Kenneth Branagh is fucking hilarious in this. He is hilarious. He's really good. Uh, I was actually though I was surprised because I was expecting. And I guess this is a good thing. Uh, it, I was expecting like a major uh, heel turn for him, but instead you just kind of get what I suspected from his first end appearance is just he's just a, an idiot. 
Well, you know, one, well I, I know. I, I kind of just knew that right away. I guess you're not supposed to know that right away. I don't know. I mean, it is for kids. Well, so I think you're be, supposed yeah. to think he's an idiot right away. And then just the magnitude of that expands and expands. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, I, uh, I, I, it's weird because one of the, one of the little fun things about this franchise is, is that every book has a new defense against the dark arts teacher. Oh, and so you can't. Uh, we had Quirrell have a heel turn in the first one. We can't right. have all of them turn out to be the that. villain. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So Snape gets fucked over repeatedly. Yeah, repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he filed a grievance that was off screen. You know, um, you know like in in the in the principal's chamber. Well, or we're told yeah. he's lobbied for the position. Right. And yeah. He's, uh, yeah. God. Yeah. Dumbledore is the true villain of this piece. <laughs> it's just a biased employer. He really yeah. is. He's a biased employer. All right. Mm. All right, Henry. All right. Uh, where do we go? What are we up to? So let's get to the school. They uh, they miss the platform. Someone is like trying to like get Harry to not go to Hogwarts. Well, Dobby right away says don't go. Exactly. But then they close off the gate to platform nine and three quarters. And so they steal the flying car and drive it to Hogwarts. Correct. Which I didn't realize till later has like its own personality. uh, That whole thing is silly. Okay. Can I just say right here, Chamber of Secrets is my least favorite movie. In, in the so franchise. it still is. So it still is. As of now, oh, I mean, right. I like the first right. one more than the second one. I'm going to rewatch all these babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, like, I to me, it's just way too fucking long. The that whole flying car sequence takes for fucking ever. Mm. I, I mean, there's the long so, chase. There's yeah. so many sequences I don't need. There's that long ass sequence with the fucking spiders. That well, I like that. I mean, it's, I like it's that one. genuinely scary. Fucking A it is. But, That's, that was the most disturbing part of the second movie to me. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Aragog, it's just a little silly, this talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I was, I was the, you know, I didn't care at that point. I mean, we see another uh, pretty, pretty, pretty big uh, British actress uh, playing Moaning Myrtle. Uh, yeah. Shirley Johnson, I think. I is know, and she's playing like a dead kid, and she's like fifty years old in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, at the time this was filmed, she was probably like in her thirties, right? But we Still. covered her, and we did Train Spotting. Did yeah. we? Yeah, she's Spud's girlfriend. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can picture that. Yeah. Shirley yeah. Henderson is that her name? Henderson. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, Moaning Myrtle, she's good. She's like a kid that once upon a time was murdered in in the bathroom there. Yeah. And she still hangs around. Yeah. And she's super fucking horny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and sad. She has a couple of really good line deliveries. Like I was I was uh, you know, sitting in my cubicle thinking about death. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's great. That was very good. She's yeah. like an Emily the Strange character or something. I don't know that reference. But uh, anyway, fucking, uh, she's great. And uh, it turns out, that, so someone's opened the Chamber of Secrets. How many secret compartments are there in Hogwarts? I don't know, man. It's a freaky place to go. I mean, I it, 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 
you you get you get confused about what magic can do and what it can't do because you would think that Dumbledore kind of is an all-seeing, all-knowing person. Well, in the in the books, I, one of the things I like about the books is is the magic rules are very clear to me. Oh. And it's what bothers me about a lot of fantasy, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Like it takes place right. in like a magical land, so you right. can do basically anything. Yeah. Uh, t- I'm always very clear in in Harry Potter about what is possible and what is not. Interesting. And uh, yeah. but it, it you know they're rushing through it as much as they can in these books. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that translates to a lot of things. I mean that, that's what I mean. It's it, it you could you know you always translate it to like even the Marvel movies. It's like well what can Iron Man withstand and what can't he and then what can Doctor Strange do and not you know and there doesn't ever seem to be any real parameters I mean they try to explain that nah, stuff, you so. read enough comics and you know yeah right but I'm, I'm talking about it like from a movie, from a movie perspective sure. yeah 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 um but yeah so that was interesting and and I, I guess it was leaving me open to wonder at certain points in this this movie I was wondering it was going through my head is Dumbledore sort of like not orchestrating the stuff, but is he is he one of those characters that knows it needs to happen? Like these bad things have to happen in order for like Harry to become who he is. Like is he like an you know what I mean? Is he like an almost like an un unpowering uh, unpowered architect? I can't really or, answer that, and yeah, um, yeah. I'll say that the books and the movies are from Harry's perspective. And oh, so right now, oh, is it first person? No, it is not. No, it is not. Oh, oh, but, but it's it, still from his. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's basically we know what he knows. Okay, okay. And so it's uh you know the first two are written from the perspective of an eleven year old and a twelve year old, and so right, as right. he grows over older, he will understand more. Got it. As will we. Yes. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. All right. So uh, the chamber secrets open. Motherfuckers are getting uh, petrified. Yes. And this brings me to one of my main problems with chamber of secrets. Uh oh. All right. They raise the stakes about halfway through this movie. Yeah. And Hermione gets petrified. Right at the four-hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she's just in a hospital bed. For the rest of the movie. And so the entire movie is now resting on Harry and Ron's shoulders. And so Ron is being asked to do too much. And and Hermione, who to this point has been the most sympathetic character in the franchise and uh, the most likable as far as the the most interesting kid, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's just disappeared from the rest yeah, of this movie. And, and that brings me a, a well segued into, you know, my LVP, which is Ron. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know. I feel like it is Rupert Grint, but you know, there, he is so fucking overacting every sequence. He, he's like he a pulls, silent he, movie. Yeah, character. He definitely pulls some faces in this. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he's like mugging constantly and it's just like, oh that my God. Is irritating. Dude, when the, um, when, uh, Mrs. Weasley sends him that letter that yells at him. Oh Lord. And he has to like react to that. Right. Rupert Grint is so crazily overacting. And that's, yeah, I mean, it's just, I get it's the kind of thing that I always fear with child actors, you know, and 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 up to that point it hadn't really happened. Like everyone's kind of good and solid and and serious and funny when they need to be, but in this one he's just a fucking clown. 
who's like so inept. And like, I was one of those things too, where I kept seeing the sequences with like the joke. One of the things that did get old for me, like real quick was his broken wand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude. All right. It, it was funny at first. That I fucking, get it. Him vomiting slugs is disgusting. It's grotesque. And it's like, <laughs> it's, done, and it's, it's, it's like, all right. Like the wand is fucking broken. I get it. Like get another one or don't use it. And it's just well, like, they can't, keep, the, the Weasleys are poor. So they can't afford another uh, one. Somebody at this school could lend them one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah. Puff, hey, right? Dumbledore, nice. get in there. Yeah. <laughs> Show some favoritism there, you know? Yeah. Give them, Somehow give them Harry wand. ended up with a fucking Nimbus 2000. That's right. Surely Ron could get a wand. Come on, the dude. Favoritism towards Harry in these, in these movies is disgusting. And, and, you know, when Hermione's petrified, Ron could just steal her wand. Just take it for a while and yeah, give it totally back Yeah, totally would. End. It's just, like, in her dead hand. Yeah, just give it back at the end from her cold dead hand. You yeah. Know? Huh. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah, he annoyed me. All but, right, that's fair. But I like the uh, sequence where they come to get – I jumped ahead, I guess. But I like the sequence where they come to get Hagrid and put him in – Azkaban. Azkaban, sure. I like and, that. You know, and he says, follow the spiders. I thought that was – Pretty scary shit. Yeah, I like and, that uh, too. And we get to see Cornelius Fudge for the first time, who's a character I like. Oh, he's the like head of the wizard. He's the minister of magic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. You're right. I'm yeah. gonna get it right. Yeah. In yeah. the in the um in the books, there are some very specific um, analogs to Tony Blair. Oh really? Yes. Is she not a fan? No. Interesting. And she criticizes him through um, Cornelius Fudge. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. And that's pre-Iraq War Tony Blair, too, so that's interesting. Uh, in the books, it's the later book, so it's during the Iraq War. Oh, got yeah. it. That had, I was going to say it had to be that. Mm-hmm. Not that I know much about him beyond that, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, you didn't see right. the special relationship? I did, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good, actually. I like the what's-his-face in that. What's his name? Frost Nixon's guy. Langella? Oh, Mar- Michael Sheen. Yeah, I love yeah, Michael Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen's fucking great. Yeah, he is. He yeah. plays Blair. Who plays Clinton in that? Dennis Quaid. Oh, that's right. I only yeah. knew that because I watched that movie Undercover Blues, and then I was IMDb. <laughs> Dennis Quaid! <laughs> nice. Very nice. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. Uh, so what, what happens? They go into the fucking <laughs> Chamber of Secrets, dude. So yeah. um Yeah, know. with Bran with Branna, they for they find him out. Yeah, right? yeah, they, yeah. He talks to I thought this was a cool sequence. He talks to that book, Tom Riddle. Oh yeah, that is a good sequence. That and was and neat. it's an important sequence because Tom Riddle, as it turns out, is Voldemort. So all right, this, I had to ask you this. This is genuine again, genuine perplexity on my part. Uh so Quirrell and uh, riddle is it, so Voldemort is like he is inhabiting these people or he is like using their body but with their full knowledge. A quirrell's like full say, knowledge. So when he says he is Voldemort, I was thinking like, oh well, he's kind of like working for Voldemort. But Tom Riddle, both Quirrell and Quirrell is a Death Eater working for Voldemort. Tom Riddle is Voldemort. So he is okay. Yeah. A Death Eater. In incarnate. De- yeah, the Death Eaters are like his henchmen, you know, like fucking the Nazis to Hitler. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so Tom Riddle is, all right, but he wasn't, was he Voldemort, Voldemort from the 1950s and all that shit when he was like in 
Hogwarts? He's yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, look. Because he goes it, way back, Voldemort. It, it's explained better in the book. I don't remember, but uh, but it, it's Voldemort. <laughs> because okay. he does that fucking thing at the end where it's like, Tom Marvolo Riddle. Right, right, right. But I am Lord Voldemort. That's silly. Right, but I, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, but I did not understand in the flashback sequence when, when Dumbledore sees him on the stairs, I was trying to figure out, does that mean that at that point Voldemort did not exist as Voldemort, and it was just this guy Tom Riddle who had these evil That's right, Tom Riddle, uh, much like, it, it's like a Darth Vader situation, Henry. Oh, so he was like I did Tom, not get this at all. He was Tom okay. Riddle, he was a student at Hogwarts. And he kind of became obsessed with the dark side of magic and sort Got of it. transformed himself over the years into Lord Voldemort. I see. Yeah. Very important. Uh, was not particularly clear to me in this viewing. Okay. All right. So that is him. Yeah. All right. Got it. Um, you know what bothers me about this movie? What? Harry's always dirty. He's always got dirt all over his face. Well, he's always, you know, up to, he's always trying to, he's an action guy. You know, he gets dirty in the I Quidditch know, match. but he's, he's always, he's just got like a layer of dirt on his face. Yeah. The kid's got to get some acne, I, I would think. And, uh, you know. He, he falls down too many chimneys, this one. He's so dirty all the time that even in the fucking movie poster of, of Chamber of Secrets, he's got dirt all over his face. Yeah. It's fucking gross. He's got to watch that cut too. He should try to keep it clean and yeah, sterile, he's, even he's though totally. it seems like it's an open wound that will not heal. So I would be keeping a bandage over that. So you know. he he goes into the fucking chamber of secrets and he defeats the ba- the big snake, the bass. Yeah, that was disappointing only to me because I, I thought it was a cool sequence. I I just it was disappointing in that I didn't find that snake in any way scary or. No, and part of that compared to the spider, it's like holy shit, you know, like that was way more like nerve and nerve. Well, Voldemort's into snakes. He's got like a pet snake named Nagini. I can't believe I remember this shit. And uh, he so also it's it's a thing where in the book, I think Tom Riddle is more the nemesis at the end of the book, but since it's a movie. Right. You know, him like chatting with Tom Riddle isn't as cinematic as Harry fighting a snake. So we really like bucked up that sequence and made the snake got a big, big. And I did feel sorry for the snake when uh, Harry takes its eyes out. Yeah, I I was a little upset that that was one of those moments I was talking about earlier where. It's like real dark, but it's played off like Yo, cartoon, cartoonishly. Fucking, but he blinds an animal, yeah, and this thing's got blood sockets in its head, and oh my lord! When he yeah. stabs the fucking snake through like the jaw with his yeah. sword, it yeah, is that's, bloody and crazy. Yeah, that's nutsoid. I, I did really like the tooth being stuck in him. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was great. That was a nice touch. Um, uh, I had another thought about that sequence, but I can't remember what it was. But that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And Ginny was possessed by Voldemort. That's the other big plot line that comes. Oh, out. that I that I figured that made that was pretty clear. I got that yeah. out of it. But through the actions of Lucius Malfoy, by kind of serendipitously her finding the book that he planted in her bag, right? Right. Because she opened up all this shit, yeah. kind of unknowingly. Yeah. 
So, yeah, uh, yeah she, he saves Ginny and uh, he rescues Dobby from Lucius. And uh, I like that a lot. That's nice. And that's the end of the I movie. Like that. I, li- <laughs> I like that a lot. Gives him the sock. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. I I figured I was getting a little upset. I, I, I figured, you know, they better. He better fucking help Dobby out. You know, this is bullshit. Listen, yeah, he I does. Mean, yeah, Harry, he leaves, Harry leaves no man behind. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a good character trait. And uh, yeah, so he he hooks him up with freedom. So that's nice. Maybe. I, you know, I also liked the reappearance of the sorting hat in this movie to like revisit the fact that maybe Harry was yes, meant to be a Slytherin. I like that too. And then Dumbledore telling Harry the fact that you wanted to be a Gryffindor makes you not a Slytherin. Hmm. Yes. Deep. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Not okay. being sarcastic, yeah. No, no. So, yeah. um, so that's the movie, and uh, you know, it's not as good as the first one, and and I I don't love it. It, it, but you know, when I watched it in the headspace I was in for Real Weird Sisters, I thought of this movie as being a real fucking dud in the franchise. Interesting. You know, I would have yeah. given it a one back then. Wow. And, and, and I'm gonna give it a two here. Oh, really? That low? Yeah. I'm giving it's it a three. So long. I'm giving it a three. Uh, because I yeah, felt like but, I was going to watch this movie for the rest of my life. <laughs> I I got up more than two or three times. I watched yeah. them two separate days, which I never yeah, do. I understand that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm giving it three though because to me uh, it was. Ju- I, I mean, I found it. Pretty much kind of, I hate saying this, but kind of the same vibe as I found in the first one. Um, the length, again, uh, was bothered me a little more, but it's still a solid movie. It's still a solid entertainment. You know, I, I, I mean, giving it a two, I, I get it, I guess, from a from a grander scale of viewing. But just for me, uh, it's still a three-star movie. It's just a movie, like, if, like... Even now, if I'm like reaching to, if I'm like jonesing, I'm gonna rewatch the Harry Potter movies. I always have in the back of my mind, oh, I'm gonna have to watch Chamber of Secrets. I get it. I yeah. get that. Sure. Yeah, you know, I have that with many of the franchises we've covered. Yeah, so yeah. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Who Who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP for this one uh, is, uh, you know what? Last time I'll get to do it because um, Michael Gambon comes into the franchise next right. week. But uh, you got to go with uh, Richard Harris, who is really just fantastic. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I can't believe uh, I haven't given Alan Rickman an MVP yet. Alan Rickman's the MVP of the whole franchise. Well, I figured there'd be a lot of time. Yeah, you know, I guess. Same, same with There's Harry. eight of these babies. Right. Same with Harry and Hermione, you know, and all that. Um, my MVP, I'm going Dobby. Fucking Dobby. He's my LVP. Yeah, I figured my LVP's Ron by a home run and a half. Right. Um, I like Dobby. He's uh, I don't usually like characters like when that. Dobby, the, like, the cutesy type when, of when stuff. He's like, but I, oh, I, I, I does Dobby offended Harry Potter? <laughs> and he starts like banging his head on a dresser. It's, it's so a, fucking ridiculous. It's very violent. Uh, yeah, uh, I because I think it's also because I don't usually ever go for the cutesy type characters. It's not my thing. I don't like it. Uh, and this one, I, I, I don't mind him. I like him. 
So, you know, points for not I, turning I also, me completely I, off. I hate the sequence with um, Dur- the Dursley's party that they're throwing. I it, It's too frustrating to just watch, like, Harry being normal and not needing to do anything and this fucking prick Dobby just, like, <laughs> blowing his spot. Uh, this fucking prick Dobby. Yeah. Yeah. You think that the real weird sisters have ever said a sentence like that? No. Okay. Um. All right. So. All right. Uh, let's let's superhero count. Yeah. Two. Okay. <clears throat> all right. This was surprising to me. Um. We've we've done Jason Isaacs before, so I'll do him first. Uh. He was in Electra, the live-action Electra, playing okay. DeMarco. And then I remembered this because this was great whenever we covered him on Resident Evil, that he's he's been in three animated uh, DC movies, always playing the biggest bad guy, which we commented on before. So he always got, like, choice prime roles. Uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, he played Raz al Ghul, your favorite villain. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern Emerald uh, Knights, he played Sinestro. And Justice League Gods and Monsters, he played Lex Luthor. Oh, boy. Yeah. He's a heavy hitter. <laughs> he is. He's a heavy hitter. And then this one was new because I don't include directors. Of, you know, Kenneth Branagh, of course, directed Thor, but I wouldn't have counted him. But little did I know that in the Avengers of Infinity War, it is his voice that is, you remember the very beginning of the movie when they're like, it's taken right after Ragnarok and they're kind of like stranded in space on that ship. Yeah. That big sequence. His voice is the Asgardian distress call coming through the pipes to say, are you okay? Jason is everybody Isaacs? Okay? No, Kenneth Branagh. Oh, Kenneth Branagh. That's really yeah. weird and cool. Yeah. So they brought him back to do yeah, a little voice nice. cameo. Little shout out to the director now. of Thor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay, cool. Um, Let's, uh, for fuck's sake, people. Yeah, I mean, did we, what, did we get any this week or not? I think we did. Let me find it. But, but we need these fucking reviews on iTunes. Let, let's hear this then. For fuck's sake, oh, yeah. Close the deal. Make it a new one. Don't write a thing just to leave us a star. You don't even have to tell us who you are. For fuck's sake, you motherfuckers. For fuck's sake. Okay. I like that. It's like uh, Yacht Rock or something. It was it very like a Seals and Croft song or something. Yeah, they were composed at the same time. That's yeah. That was the first take, and I improved, in my opinion, on it. But I wanted to play that first I take enjoyed for it. everybody. Okay, good. Uh, Moosey Man leaves us a five-star review, says Comedic Gold. will always recommend this podcast. The hosts are hilariously funny. The theme songs and their opinions and insight into film make one hell of a podcast. For fuck's sake, just give it a listen. Oh, very nice. All Thank right. you, Moosey Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod Franchise. Follow me on Twitter at Low Stakes Daniel. Let's check in with some tweets. Uh, Shut Up Tim says, great up this week on the franchise. It is insane that Henry ever liked Dances with Wolves better than Goodfellas. Does he prefer the postman to the Godfather? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to say yes. I actually just bought the Godfather on Blu-ray, by the way. 
Uh, oh, yeah? No, I have that on Blu-ray. I didn't have it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I had a shitty DVD copy, but... Uh, I, I appreciate that, Tim. You're right. I'm. I'm. I do love that movie. Uh, I did amend my list because Goodfellas is closer to my heart right now. But uh, I will not back down from loving Dances with Wolves. Yeah, that would be out of character for me. Yep, yep, yep. As you're, you're, you're the character you've been playing, guy with bad opinions. Uh, Logan Bad Air uh, responded to that tweet a couple days later. Started listening to this podcast yesterday just because of this tweet. Hmm. Already listened through a few franchises. I start the Jurassic Park episode and hear the great Mike Bloom on it. There you go. Uh, and Tim responded, FYI, I haven't been a guest on the franchise, but check out the Rush Hours, the Matrixes, and National Treasures for sure. Mike Bloom's up is great. Screams are a must as well. Basically most episodes. That's very cool. Very nice. I actually, and I actually appreciate Shut Up Tim pointing out the Rush Hour episodes because I was always really happy with those. They're good you apps. Know, we don't ever mention those, but I remember when I heard those back. Uh, I was proud of them at the time. Yeah. yeah, very much. So thank you, Tim. Logan responded, I've listened through Scream, Jaws, the first two Halloween so far, now Jurassic Park. It hurt me that they weren't as high on the Scream series as a whole as I am. Talking hmm. about you, of course. Scream 3 isn't right. really I was going to say. But, <laughs> but 1 is arguably my favorite movie of all time, and I also love 2 and 4. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. Uh, and uh, and shut up, Tim. Respond, you need to hear the Mamma Mia so you can hear Henry talk about a mannequin's vagina. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, you do. And I said that's, Tim always that's gets probably, to the heart of the matter. probably yeah. the second time we've talked about a mannequin's vagina on the podcast. We also true. covered mannequin. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Who else we got here? Uh, fucking. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I well, don't I, have know, a, man. I got a couple of emails. Wait, I'm not done. I, I, I have. Um, yeah, go ahead. I want to say Mike Bloom piped in. Um, uh, Logan thinks Tim should work on a, should be on a Three Ninjas episode or the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I said I've seen all of the Mighty Ducks. I have never seen the fourth Three Ninjas. Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Am I missing mm -hmm. out? And uh, and uh, you know Mike Bloom said, and uh, does the clairvoyant Sega Game Gear come back for the sequel? And we of course had to point out that he is not thinking of Three Ninjas, but rather Surf Ninjas. All right. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surf Ninjas is a great film. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Olivia Smith wants Tim to be a guest, and she also wants Martha to come back. Um, mm -hmm. Danimal uh, Control 6669 has a question, Henry. Mm. Has Henry seen Fitzcarraldo yet? <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Let's. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an answer, though. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, right about uh, right now. Has Henry seen Fitzcarraldo? Nine. He has not. Uh, yeah. Still, still no. Okay. Very disappointing. It's going to be real exciting when I do because uh, we'll be able to have a new theme song. I think um, I, I am looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I also just want to give a quick shout to um, Dallas, who follows me on Letterboxd, all right? Oh, all right. Now, she um, she was excited for the troll episode, and uh, she also 
said she wanted... Oh, you know what? I watched uh, Desert Blue recently. I've been on a kick where I'm watching this dude Morgan J. Freeman's movies. He's a little indie filmmaker from the 90s I really like. Okay. And uh, he, um, in the uh, waning days of his career, directed American Psycho 2. Oh, with Mila Kunis, yeah, right? Yeah, and so Dallas Mead, her name is. She she would like us to cover that. Well, I'm a huge fan of the first one. Yeah, I think uh, that would be really fun. Yeah, it would. Okay. Yeah. Uh, email us at thefranchisepod at gmail.com. Email Henry at henryfranchise at outlook.com. Yes, and we heard, I heard uh, from a couple people, uh, UK Dave, uh, our friend overseas. Hey, Pat Man and not really racist Dan. Just finished listening to Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, and 3. Loved every minute, especially the trashing of 3. I have only one complaint. How did Inspector Todd not get your MVP? Surely he deserved it. If for nothing else, his line, Don't think, Axel, it makes my dick itch. Who's Inspector Todd? Oh, the fucking, his boss, Eddie Murphy's boss. We spoke very highly of him, the but Detroit I guess neither boss. of us. Yeah, but I yeah, guess neither yeah. of us did give him. Oh, uh, he's great. He's just not in them enough. And he does say, uh, for fuck's sake, people. Leave these <laughs> I, did, I did notice that. Oh wait, he says for fuck's sake. I thought in no. Beverly Hills Cop he says for fuck's sake at one point. Oh, <laughs> no, he—that's uh, not what he meant. He was saying that's Dave to our listeners. UK Dave, yeah. sure. UK uh, Dave, I, and um, he had some more things to say. He—he—he he, he was uh, very into the troll episode as well. He—he uh, he hadn't. Uh, I like. Uh, he said that he wasn't quite sure what we meant when we were covering trolls. He, I think, he thought we were doing the animated thing. Oh. And he didn't cotton on until Aaron talked about fucking a mushroom. Uh, and yes, uh, yes. and uh, he was very excited about that. He thinks Claudio Fergasso was a bit of a knobber. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds that way. Yeah, and uh, so that was that was very nice to hear from him. He's a he's a great guy. And uh, I also, we heard for the first time, uh, for me, uh, hearing from a Blade Runner fan. Oh, and, oh, right? they left a five-star rating, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is great. Hey, Henry, you can reference me as Blade Runner fan. I watched Fitzcarraldo this week. Great film, and I obviously do mean film. And in Rob Zombie Halloween voice, you have to see it, you piece of shit. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> The podcast is fantastic and has turned me on to so many great films from your top 10 lists. The fact that the podcast has driven me to both Fitzcarraldo and Crank 2 High Voltage <laughs> shows that you guys are definitely doing something right. Uh, P.S. If you talk about this on the podcast, you have to play the Has Henry Seen Fitzcarraldo theme song. Oh, Keep up the good work. Already done. That was two viewers who requested that. Yeah. Interesting how that works. Hey, yeah. uh, that's a great email. I, I, I loved that email. Really nice. Yeah. Uh, Gallagher says uh, they're working on Disenchanted, the sequel to Enchanted with Amy Adams. So oh. we'll be covering that. Um, and Danimal Control says, after listening to the Ocean's Eleven episodes again, I can safely proclaim that you could say two to three Catherine Zeta-Jones cancer-giving vagina jokes an episode, <laughs> and it still wouldn't be enough. Five out of five. Yeah, never forget. Never forget. Uh, Michael Douglas got cancer through... Eating yes. too much of Catherine Zeta Jones's pussy. Right, okay. which you said last week, so I like that. So it's like a rehash. Sure, it's good. let's keep it moving. Uh, next week, we're covering uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's entry to Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban there. And we'll mm -hmm. also be looking at Mike Newell's movie, um, 
uh, yeah. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, based on my favorite Harry Potter book. All right. All right. And all right. we uh, we have a guest. We might have yeah. two guests. Might, might have a couple of real weird guests for you. <laughs> all right. I won't tell you who. Who is that? Uh, a weird one. Huh? A couple of real weird people. Yeah. Women. Real, real weird. Women. <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting. I don't. Okay. All right, all right. Be cool. We'll find out next week on the franchise. Okay, gang. See you next time. Happy trails. Thanks.